from Champaign, Illinois, this is the Jumping the Rail Podcast with your hosts, Mark Redmond and Mike Nartolinas. Redmond, and I'm joined as always by my tag team partner, the Pain Train, Mike Nargelinus. How you doing, buddy? I am. Uh, I'm sleepy. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, I'm still kind of tired from Monday Night Raw last night. It, you know, yeah. it was like a good bedtime story. It put <laughs> me right to sleep, and I haven't shaken it off yet. <laughs> I'm surprised you actually watched the show. Uh bits and pieces. Now, to be honest with you, I thought it was a better show than usual last night. It had uh, had a little bit more to chew on. Yeah, the, the the bar wasn't set real high though, so well, true. <laughs> but uh, there was a there were a couple things in there that we'll get into. It's uh, not on the format, but uh, they had you know the in ring is usually pretty good on Raw. It's the creative that usually is where I have my I'm scratching my head on. But they had a really uh, fun promo going on with Edge and The Miz last night. Both of them coming back. And it was, seemed like it was kind of Vince's response to what happened this past Wednesday on Dynamite with uh, MJF and Punk. And yeah, I, it seems I, to be. I mean, they kind of referenced both sets of people referenced each other at some right, point. Right. So, yeah, they didn't seem they didn't do it as much last night as they did on uh, Wednesday. But that is the first thing I wanted to kind of get into was uh, Punk and MJF. It's the feud everybody's been clamoring for. Since Punk came back in August, and uh, what do you think? Do you think it, so far it's measuring up, or do you think they have a ways to go? Uh, I the promo last week with each other in the ring was fantastic. I thought it was great. Um, I I hope they build a little bit more. You know, I'm curious to see how Wardlow gets involved. I think that's got to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping Punk can work in the ring with MJF. I'd sent you an article earlier today where you know Punk's a little quite a bit older than MJF Mm -hmm. he might be a step or two behind him MJF isn't exactly the flashiest in-ring competitor I think he relies more on personality anyway yeah so that's where this feud's going to grow from it's going to be personality based it's going to be a lot of the uh the war of words if you will on the mic so now don't let the personality fool you MJF can get it done in the ring when he wants to and Punk has shown he might have lost a step or two but he's still just as solid in the ring as he was yeah, I think so. I th- well, I think they'll complement each other better than, let's say, Punk and Darby Allen. Darby's yeah. style doesn't exactly complement Punk's style well, where I think somebody like MJF will. I think they'd be able to work um, a more methodical match. Yeah, I, I do think, though, that this is going to be a very verbal feud more than anything. But uh, if you ask me, I think they'll probably. I think they should build the match. We'll give it at least maybe like six weeks. Give them that time to really build up the steam on the uh, on the promos, and save it for a. I don't know when their next big show is that they've got coming up. I mean, I know they got. Uh, I, I imagine they'll do something for uh, Christmas on Dynamite. Well, they've got the um, what is it? The winter is coming, or it. You know, last year Sting showed up. Right, that's when so, Omega won the title. Yeah, so I'm sure they'll do something then. Hopefully not this match. That would be no. a huge. That would be a tremendously terrible idea. 
If, um, I would assume early 2021 is going to be, you know, probably when the uh, the match will go down. What I'd like to see happen is I'd like to see MJF get a little more personable. Not personable, a little more personal. Yeah. Um, he referenced Punk's UFC career. I wouldn't mind seeing him bring in the two guys that Punk lost to. You know, I, I really think I think fans would kind of be like thrown off by that. And I think that's something Punk takes serious. I hopefully he'd play, you know, D- Cabana. Maybe do you bring Cabana up at some point? What what kind of shots is MJF going to take going forward? Well, I think they got to do something with Cabana. They I mean, they really dropped the ball with him this past Wednesday. I think they have a match with him and Danielson, which I've seen that match happen in Ring of Honor before. And they gave them a fraction of the time. And I'm not complaining that Danielson won the match. I mean, it's kind of a given. He's going to win. He's going to the world title. Popped his teeth out, too, I read. Yeah, he popped the tooth. <laughs> but Cabana. Yeah, but they didn't. It was a little one-sided for my taste. They didn't let Cabana really shine, I don't think. And that's just kind of been his story since he's been with the Dark Order in AEW that he's just been in the background, and he, I think he's way too good for that. I agree, and I maybe maybe it was Cornette. It was somebody who had mentioned that they're wasting Colt Cabana in the group. The group is a bunch of goofballs. They uh, Cabana and Silver are being the most wasted. And that maybe Conan, I think, had said that. Again, I'll reference Conan a couple of times here. Silver's got all this personality. They don't know how to use him. No. They've got Anna Jay and Ty just kind of hanging out, coming and going as they please. Yeah, I don't like to use the word eye candy, but that seems like that's what their role is. That's about it. And, you know, Cabana can outwork a majority of that group. I don't think anybody cares about Allen Angels or 10. Nobody really cares. I don't. (laughs) No. I I don't mind 10. He's a solid mid-card guy. But Allen Allen Angels doesn't do much for me. Uh, Silver and Reynolds are a decent tag team. But they're never going to – I don't think they'll ever be tag champs. No, I think Silver needs to be on his own. Right. And I, I hope that's coming at some point. Then you've got Uno and Grayson. Right. Grayson, I know, was one of your favorites. Oh, yeah. Um, Uno, I don't mind. I think he needs to hit the gym a little bit more. His arms – my arms are bigger than his. He just is an awkward body shape. I'm not trying to body shame the man. but. No. I can't take him seriously when he throws a punch. Kyler, my nine-year-old's arms are about the same size as Evil Uno's, so he probably throws a better punch. But Andrea just mentioned she thought, what if they put a spin on it and have CM Punk and MJF team up together? That could happen eventually if Punk turns heel, and that could be a pretty entertaining tag team. Yeah, but I think that'll be a ways off, though. Yeah, I think so. With them turning Brian Danielson heel, oh well, implying that he's heel, even though he's saying he's not really turned heel i mean i think you know he's he's a, he's a heel he's a heel <laughs> in his mind he's not but obviously i don't think they're gonna t- you would have too many heels at that right. point so i think th- they're gonna ride again i think they're gonna ride the punk pony uh until the wheels fall that's, off that's so. graphic <laughs> scott <laughs> roberts says silver definitely needs a solo run yeah yep oh yeah during no. one of your sojourns to the hall that's something that came up but uh Johnny with uh, with Danielson in the heel thing, and you said it that he thinks he's being a baby face. And Michael Hayes always said, rule one of being a heel is you have to believe what you're doing and saying is the right thing. Well, and this is kind of a throwback to when he was Daniel Bryan and doing the... The Planets Champion. The Planets Champion <laughs> with the hemp belt, which I'd read an article that that was his favorite time in his career at WWE yeah, was when that. he was doing that. And yeah. I think this is kind of a throw to that a little bit. Yeah. 
Oh, Dwayne does not have any uh, quarter for this. He says MJF needs to stay a heel. Oh, I don't disagree with that at all. I'm, I don't think MJF would ever even be able to be a face. I don't even see that in his character no. at all. They kind of tried it when he was running with Cody when they first started AEW. And I think even but then people thought he was kind of they were a just swarmy. Waiting. <laughs> they were waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yep. They knew he was going to turn on him. Uh, by the way, Dwayne, my sympathies, uh, Nia Jax has basically said that she's probably not going to return to wrestling. She's uh, changed her name back to, what was it? Lena. Lena Fanina or something, something like, like that. that. <laughs> but she's pretty much uh, said that she doesn't think she's going to return to wrestling after the releases, which is the next thing on my list. We didn't really get into this in the last episode, Narge, but yeah. uh, there was another round of cuts. And uh, I guess... I'm trying to think who the uh, the big ones. I guess John Morrison. Be the John Morrison name. was a biggie. Um, who was the other one? There was another one I told you, and I was like, oh, I'm surprised they cut this person. Mark, you going to get, get the, the list going here. I'm going to find the list here. While you're doing that, I'm going to reference back to the this heel face talk we just had, and I want to talk about Cody real quick. I don't understand Cody's defiance. The fans absolutely can't stand Cody Rhodes. They hate him. Yeah. The man threw his weight belt into the crowd last week, and they threw it back. Yeah. So. And then, because he's a fool, he tried to throw it back to the crowd again. Yes, which was a terrible move. At that point, you take the, you know, it, the money's there. Take the money, Cody. Take the money and run. Be the yeah. be the heel that everybody wants you to. He could be the, the ultimate heel in the company. I, oh. I really think people would hate him more than MJF played right. Okay, so I have the list in front of me, Narge, with the latest uh, eight names that got cut this past couple last week or so. Okay. Uh, Drake Maverick, John Morrison, Jackson Riker, Shane Thorne, who you might remember as uh, Slapjack from Retribution. <laughs> and then, uh, then Outback, Outback Jack, Jack, whatever. Outback Slapjack. Uh, Tegan Knox, And then I guess the other big uh, act that got cut was Hit Row. Uh, Top Dollar, Shanti Adonis, and Swerve Scott all got cut. That was the other one that I thought was a big deal was the Hit Row yeah. crew. You know, once they cut the lady. Uh, B-Fab. B-Fab. Who? I thought, you know, okay, yeah, that you, which I think you had even said she needed more work. Yeah, she, she needed to be refined. So. She'd be awful in the in the ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she's a nice girl, but we got a, yeah. We got a new listener, Minders, Minda Elam, and she wants to say she, you had to know John Morrison was leaving when they released Frankie. Yeah, and I agree with that. I kind of saw the writing on the wall when Frankie got cut. And uh, neither one of them have had particularly kind things to say about the company after uh, getting released. No, they pretty much laid it out there. Her more than him. Oh, yeah. Um, she did not hold back. I, I fully expect to see her back in Impact. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of her home for a long time. Yeah, and now that Johnny Bravo has come back after she had shot him <laughs> before getting uh, out of Impact last time, I guess... The writing is on the wall for her to come back and finish him off, maybe? It, it's possible. But, uh, no, she'll she'll end on her feet. If she's not back in Impact, she'll be back in AAA doing the uh, Lucha stuff because she was a very big deal in Mexico doing the uh, Taya Valkyrie character. Do you see anybody from this group going to AEW? I think we have this talk all the time because Tony handpicks a couple um, and he doesn't seem to think they're too full at the moment. I, no. They are. We're, we're getting to the point. I mean... We're probably past the point of full. I could see Tegan just because I could see him wanting to beef up their women's division. Absolutely. Anytime they release a a, a well-rounded female yeah. talent from 
WWE, I think Tony has to take a look there. Oh, yeah, definitely. The, the men's division is just, I mean, there's so many people. There are people you see, like, for instance, this week, they just signed um, uh, Jay Lethal. Yeah. He lost to Sammy Guevara last week, two weeks ago, and now he's on AEW Dark this week. Right. So you bring over a name like that, and then now he's on the the C show or and, whatever. And I'm not saying this because I'm a Ring of Honor super fan or everything. He should have won the title in this first match to really get himself over and establish himself for a pretty new audience. Yeah, not- I, but I don't even know if I would would have debuted him then with Sammy because Sammy had such a big win to get the title. He's considered, you know, one of the pillars again. It, one of my favorites, I'm glad to see he's getting the time that he's yeah. getting. I think his work rate is just doubled. Yeah. More proof that Tony listens to us, because that's what you said, like one of our like, second or third episodes. Absolutely. He was the yeah. guy you wanted to see more of. And Tony. Con. <laughs> Mark's got the button. Yeah, today. I got my uh, search for the name, so I don't have my soundboard in front of me. So, thankfully, Marco was on the ball there. Hit Road, do they stay together or do they split up? Swerve Scott was kind of the guy in that group that, you know, um, is loaded with talent. So Yeah, Swerve, before he came to the WWE, he was MOW's champion for a long time. He'd made the rounds over the indies. Uh, I I don't know if he was in GCW. He might have been. That was before I was watching them. Uh, IW Mid-South used him a lot. So he'll be fine. I Either MLW might bring them back because they're kind of getting back into the TV swing a little bit. Well, and they're doing this new open door policy. I don't yeah. know if you saw that. They announced that that's open to anybody. So would be a great way to reintroduce him. Yeah, and then he, and I know we say AEW, he would have great matches with just about anybody in AEW. Yeah. His style would fit perfect with a Darby or with a Sammy Guevara. Well, let me throw this out there. Him and uh, Top Dalla uh, against... Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Yeah, you know. Would you want to subject them to Luchasaurus though? <laughs> he he's lucky he has a decent gimmick and look because his ring work is shoddy at best. Yeah, it's uh, not good. So we talk about them not bringing in guys to be singles, like bringing singles in, and them they're kind of getting wasted. I think they would be well served. Some of these guys have been cut, and I'm getting going to go back to Keith Lee, uh, bringing back in tag team. You know, because before Keith was in WWE, he was teaming up with uh, Shane Taylor from Ring of Honor, who's, you know, they're going to be looking for work now. Sad uh, on this coming, uh, I'm sorry, a week from this coming Saturday will be their last pay-per-view final battle. So after that, they're going to be wide open. Yeah, and so, Taylor, Taylor's been talking a lot on Twitter lately. He's been yeah. laying down the challenges to a lot of folks out there. So Yeah, and he's a hell of a talent. I don't know yeah. how much you've seen of him. No, he's he's actually one of the Ring of Honor guys that I really do enjoy. He had his little group there for a while too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so, Shane Taylor Promotions. There were six-man yeah. tag champs for a while. Dwayne's curious. Do you guys think uh, Ring of Honor is truly done? Do you think they're going to go through reorganization? I I'm holding out hope that it's just a hiatus just because I love Ring of Honor, but I won't be surprised. From what I've heard – uh, Sinclair has got a lot of debt, so I don't know if they have the uh, infrastructure to keep it going. I I agree. I think it's false hope. They they want people to think, but I I think they're probably done cashing in their chips. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, I like to, they're not circling around. I'd like to make an impassioned plea to one Conrad Thompson, who I hope is listening. If you ever wanted to have your own wrestling promotion, please buy a Ring of Honor. 
<laughs> Keep it going. Well, him and Jeff Jarrett were talking. There's rumors. Jarrett has made the comment that right now would be a perfect time. You know, his, what was it, global force wrestling didn't work? No, it kind of took a took a bubble bath. But he did make the comment that right now, and we talked about this, you could go out and you could handpick all these guys who are not working right. and start a promotion right now and easily be ready to go and, you know, fit into that top three, top four, top five groups in the in the country. Yeah. Uh, one guy who I don't know if anybody's going to be signing in the near future to uh, to compete for their company is going is one uh, 16-time world champion Ric Flair, <laughs> who apparently has tried to uh, make a little little bit of waves and challenge Sammy Guevara for a match. Yeah, I read. Was it uh, Jerusalem or Israel? Somebody over there is willing to pay him a hundred thousand dollars so to wrestle to, Sammy Guevara. So they want to see this poor man keel over and. Well, Rick said he would rather die either in the ring or next to his hot naked wife uh, before. I was, gonna, I was just looking to make sure it was the right wrestle that said that. Yeah, yeah. Rick Flair <laughs> said he would rather die in the ring or next to his hot naked wife than anywhere else. He said he was not going to die in a hospital bed. So, Well, and to be fair, that's different from in the 80s when he would rather die in the ring or next to somebody else's hot naked wife. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, Nature Boy... He said that he is in better shape now than he was on the final Nitro when he wrestled Sting. He'd have to be. So, yeah, he was terrible that night wrestling in a T-shirt. I've seen him working out. Do I think he could get through a match with Sammy? I think so. I don't think it's going to be a him and Dusty, you know, barn burner. But I think him and Sammy could work something out. Uh, <laughs> I I don't want to see it, though. I, I think it's going to end up like Sean and Triple H against Kane in the under. You know. Somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah, it's, it's just not And it could be well. Sammy trying to carry Rick. And Well, I was thinking about this earlier today. So he said he'd be okay with dying in the ring. Do you think Sammy Guevara would be okay with Ric Flair dying in their match? I'm not he, sure that Sammy would be okay with that. Sammy's a young guy. That would probably just royally screw him up in the head if that happened. And that's what I was thinking. It's more a selfish thing on Rick's part, and yeah. I love Ric Flair, but you was, have to think about your opponent, too. Right. It's $100,000 for about 10 minutes of physical work. Yeah. And it is, I hate to say these words, especially to all you fans, but they kind of you know work together on it, so I'm sure they'd arrange it not to kill the old man. Well, Ideally, but things I, do happen. Things Accidents happen. happen. Yeah. But I mean... You can have a stroke walking to get your mail in the morning. So that adrenaline dump is my concern. Rick hasn't had that. Rick hasn't taken a bump in, what, seven, eight years? Yeah, not a solid bump by any means. Mike Tyson took some punches recently, and he didn't die. Well, Mike Tyson's in way better shape than Ric Flair is. I I had no (laughs) idea there. Uh, Hammer wants you guys to know that he would something next to Ric Flair's wife anytime. Yeah. And then Dwayne says Rick Flair needs to ride off into the sunset. His time is done. So I think if Rick rides off into the sunset, Hammer could try to segue his ass after her. I, <laughs> I don't think Hammer can handle Fifi. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, Narge, or Narge, you know Narge, but Marco, you don't know. Uh, Rick's wife, Wendy, was his French maid valet in the 90s, Fifi. And back then, she looked like she was too much for Rick. Uh, While Rick was married, mind while you, Rick was so married. who knows what was happening. But. Not my business. I don't care. <laughs> Hammer, Dwayne, no fighting on our chat there. Oh, do we have a... Uh, <laughs> I just disagree. A verbal <laughs> spat on the chat. Sp- spat on the chat. <laughs> there we go. So, 
we've been talking all this stuff. We haven't talked about what we're doing today, Narge. We got a special guest calling in in about 10 minutes. We do, yeah. Uh, promoter, owner, David Cavazzo of Zero One USA Pro Wrestling out of the Mattoon, Illinois area. David's been uh, a staple for Central Illinois Independent Wrestling for the last decade. I'd met him many, many years ago. Um, and to see what that company's grown into from when I first met him, it's pretty awesome. I'm, my son asked earlier, he said, Dad, who's been through there? And I said, I'm sure David will tell us on the show. He's oh. had some names come through, not to mention the one he'll have there next Saturday night. Yeah, I uh, actually went back. I went on to the IWTV app on my television, which is the app that has streaming of just about every indie promotion in the country. And they've got zero one on there. And they don't have the latest show up yet from October. But I went back and I watched their War Games show from July, I believe it was. And they had some uh, some good stuff on that show. They got some darn good talent. Uh, I think Warhorse was in that show. Yeah. doing the, uh, He was in the War Games match. Menders said she loves zero one. I think Menders has got some connections down that Mattoon area, doesn't she? Maybe some friends. I, th- yeah, I think, I think yeah. that's that's her area down there, mm-hmm. so... But yeah, from what I've seen, I, I got to admit, I haven't seen a whole lot of Zero One. I'd like to rectify that and start going to some of the shows when I can. But from what I've seen so far, I've been very impressed with it. They were doing some stuff here in Champaign years ago at the Fluid Events Center before it shut down. They right. were kind of doing that. I wasn't able to get out there as much Either. as I wanted to. I live five minutes away from there, and I never made it to a show. Yeah, The best wrestling promo ever was there when we had the midget wrestlers. <laughs> Boy, was that a good time. I think a friend of the show of ours, uh, Keith Gibson, I don't know if it was with Zero One or if it was another company. We'll have to ask David. But Keith Gibson, who we're going to have on in a couple of weeks, he is the uh, podcast host for the Full Count Count Baseball Podcast. You can check that out on the Clubhouse Lounge Radio. Clubhouse Lounge Radio, which also features Jumping the Rail. You also, But Keith had done a match with that company. Segwaying into that, Keith will be our guest here for our end of year special. Yeah, it'd be great we just to confirm that. On. Yeah, we'll uh, just kind of fill you guys in. Uh, next week, or next week, the next episode, we're kind of going back to basics. We're doing just us chatting. We're no interviews or anything, just kind of the old format. But after that is the 28th, and we will be doing the first ever JTR Year in Review Awards special where we're going to break down some categories and uh, who we think stood out. And uh, we probably have something special for our uh, – one of our categories have a little fan interaction on. Right. We're going to create yeah, a poll. Good. We're going to kind of get that all ironed out. But then uh, we'll keep an ear out for that as uh, the weeks come in, and we'll, uh, we'll let you know what to do. And then after that, on January 11th, we can confirm we have uh, calling in will be Kevin Gill, who is the play-by-play announcer for Game Changer Wrestling. And this will be about four days before their next show in the Chicago area. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Kevin's yeah. the, the, basically the voice of GCW. He is a, he's a one-of-a-kind guy. Yeah. And I think he's got a lot of stories yeah. similar to Alex Cologne, only he's got that different perspective. Yeah. So um, but we'll, that's going to be cool. Yeah, and we'll hear about the uh, upcoming Hammerstein Ballroom show that's coming up. Yeah. And see what uh, his take is for GCW. We, uh, like you said, it'll be cool to get a different perspective as opposed to the ta- in-ring talent. I guess somebody who's kind of more on the administrative uh, yeah. announce side. On the outside looking in. So, yeah. 
Hammer said they brought the midget wrestlers to Memphis on Main at one time too. That's possible. The, they, the midget tiny wrestlers, venue, the, tiny the, wrestlers. The, the 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 tiny folks have been all over town. I don't think they had anything to do with zero one again. That was their right. They is were t- their own separate deal. But is tiny folks the technical term? I'm not sure. I don't take midget <laughs> wrestling seriously, and I know that's funny. It's kind of funny to say when you know we're professional wrestling fans, but I I don't include midget wrestling. In, midget I think they do it more for a comedy aspect. I. Th- think in many ways what's the name of the guy from jackass not Wee man but the guy that did the uh the bit with Wee man in the movie where all the midgets with the police and the ambulance i have no idea there's a little <laughs> little dude like a little death match guy i can't remember his oh name. is it uh pogo or Pong? i know not, what you're talking about I, yeah. so do midget wrestlers use light bulbs instead of light tubes if the <laughs> necessity calls for it i could see it that'd make me make me giggle but I'd, I'd laugh and they'd probably break one over my shins or something. <laughs> Stevie Lee, puppet the psycho dwarf. Thank he actually you. died last year. Yeah. So. Oh, no. That's now sad. I feel, yes. Now I feel bad for making fun. Now you brought it up. I know. I know. <sighs> well, I, we, we won't do the 10 bells because it's been a while. It's been a while. But yeah, all right, at least puppet. a year. All right. So we got about five minutes before... Uh, we bring David in. Uh, so, what, what was the best match you saw? You said you were up late last night. I watched part of the show. I was just about to bring that up and ask Mark what I thought, you know, what you thought your favorite part of Raw was. I enjoyed the women's angle. I like seeing Liv Morgan get uh, get a little rough. I had read a rumor online that they were going to make Becky turn back face because the fans were rejecting it. Last night, I, I couldn't tell what Liv was doing. I'm like, are you a face? Are you a heel? She was cutting a heel promo with the big-time Bex crybaby stuff. Mm-hmm. So so I don't know. I, I like seeing Liv Morgan get the time. I'm just not sure what her character is or where she's going with it. So it would be interesting to see if, if we get a, a double turn here. Yeah, it's hard to say. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I think my favorite part of the show last night was probably the interaction with Edge and Miz in their promo. Yeah, which I missed. You mentioned that. Yeah. And I, you know, I'd heard bits and pieces, but I was... Yeah, it's it, it was good stuff. Uh, as far as match-wise, I mean, I could watch Seth Rollins and Finn Balor every day for a year. And they'll always have a good match, and it'll always be something different. And the last night was no di- no exception. I could do without Seth Rollins and his lavender outfit. Don't make fun of the drip, man. The he's a, drip. he's getting it over. You know what happened to Mr. Drip Drip? You know, he there's, got released. There's only so much drip that can be had yeah, in it's, WWE. There's only so much drip. <laughs> but that was the thing in the Edge promo. He actually said that Miz left his partner high and dry to get fired at one point. Yeah, I did hear that. Which got a big reaction. So, I'd heard today that there were some folks internally at WWE that did not like the shots being taken at the folks that were released. I think it was Meltzer or somebody had mentioned somebody internally had said they didn't care for it. Who knows? I mean, Liv Morgan did the same thing, though. She said, yeah. you know, big time Beck's big contract is the reason her friends aren't there anymore. Right, so. Right. so. Sounds like we got a call. All right. Let's check it out. Let's see who we got. Hello. Can you hear us? Uh, there we go. Let's see. Dave, I think we got you, but you look like you're on mute here, buddy. There we go. There he is. Hi, Dave. Can you hear us? Yep. Can hear us fine now. Hey, how's it going, man? I'm doing good. 
All right, so we are joined by David Cavazos from Zero One USA, and thanks for calling in and talking with us, man. Oh, no problem, dude. So I guess the first thing for, I know we got some fans of Zero One, but we might have some listeners that aren't really familiar. Uh, why don't you kind of break down Zero One USA for the listeners, uh, as far like your history or like what your goals are, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, we were established in uh, 2006. Um and Matt to Illinois, um, we ran a Supreme League of Wrestling at first. Um, yeah, we just had our 50, 15th year anniversary. Um, I think we were just a local independent for a little while until we joined the NWA. I think that was probably about two years in. And then in 2011, we joined Zero One uh, J- Japanese promotion, and we were the part of the Zero One USA affiliates. So, um, our goal right now is I'm just, I just want everybody to be seen, get some, uh, exposure and, uh, go where they can. I know we've had guys, uh, when Evolve was around, we had guys, uh, defending their, our titles on their shows and stuff like that. Um, and then recently we've had a few of our guys on AEW Dark that started all the way back last November. We had, uh our women's champion uh, against Penelope. I forget her last name. I'm sorry. And AEW dark. Oh, uh, Ford. Yeah. Yeah. It was rain Victoria versus Penelope Ford. And we had a uh, Joey O'Reilly in with a six man against the gun club, which uh, that actually was the first time that they had tagged together as a trio, the gun club had. So Joey O'Reilly was uh, part of the, the opponents that they wrestled. Very so, nice. Um, and then recently, our heavyweight champion, Camaro Jackson, was on Dark recently. Um, same thing with uh, Matt Fitchett and Davey Vega that wrestles for us, too. Um, just just uh, trying to have some fun and also uh, making sure everybody gets seen and, you know, do, do some cool stuff while we're at it. Sounds good. And... Uh... I said, I know you go back with Nigel ways. I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, but uh, I just, uh, like I was telling Nigel, I watched the War Games show on IWTV yesterday, and just seeing some of these guys for the first time was very, uh, very cool to see. Like, uh, there was a, like a three-way tag match. It was the besties in the world and uh, the premiere and premiere. And it was uh, the, I forget, I probably I forget the name. It was uh, La Brava and her partner. I forget his name. But uh, they had a real banger for a uh, tag title match. Yes, yes. We've, um, it's really crazy. Like since the pandemic hit, um, we were doing like, uh, there's a training facility that we're, uh, that we farm with, uh, IWAU out of Noble, Illinois. Um, and our first few shows during the pandemic were actually in that uh, facility and we just did tapings and then we started, you know, once they let fans come in, we just did like studio audience. And I mean, those are some of the best times that we had. Um, just whoever showed up that we, you know, that wanted to get work, you know, and everybody was testing every week to make sure, you know, before they wrestled, it was maybe us and a couple other people running at the time. So, but I mean, we had a, basically a whole new roster starting there. Um, just because of how it's a little bit further away than Matt Toon was. So, 
but uh, that's when we first started using Sky Blue. She is part of AEW now. She was our women's champion up until recently, and that's why we're having a tournament is to crown a new women's champion because she will not be able to make our dates, any upcoming dates, foreseeable dates right now. So, um, And also, I don't know if you've noticed, like, have you been to our website yet? Um, and notice that, like, during the pandemic, when we didn't have wrestling, we did, like, a couple of short movies. And um, we did, we have a, a couple of TV series, too, with the Low Lives and then with uh, Rain Victoria, too. Okay. You guys might have to check that out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that sounds good, Dave. Again, I just want to say thanks for getting on. I, you know, like I told Mark, I, I know you, but I don't know you real well. Um, I wrestled with New Breed years ago, right around 2000. Yeah, I think I, I think I made your logo for you too. You might have. Yeah, I think that's right. Actually, yeah, I, yeah, I pain for, train. Yes, yes, sir. I have forgotten yeah. so much over the years. Um, and then you know, years later, I ended up in my professional life knowing uh, your brother and things like that. So yeah, it's it's weird how life works. Um, I was mentioning earlier though, zero ones had quite a few names come through the area is there anybody that stands out to you over the years who who maybe came through at one point wasn't a real big name at the time but it's kind of blown up now um i mean we've used jj garrett he's kind of he's kind of blown up lately um because we used to run thursday nights in champagne like we just like having some fun guys that can come down get some ring time we put on shows it's five bucks to get into fluid event center we had all kinds of people come like it, it ended up being, you know, just like we thrown together stuff. And then all of a sudden everybody wanted to work it. And we end up having like some of the most unbelievable matches that we've ever had just doing that. Like Steven Wolf, um, he just now came back from an injury, but I mean, he was a huge with evolve right before they closed. He was in even on the WWE network special. So uh, that they had for evolve the 10th anniversary or whatever. Um, I'm just trying to think of who Kyle O'Reilly, I think, was one of the ones that I mean, I had him and Davey Richards through the doors a few times, and then all of a sudden he he got signed. And then Richards was a heavyweight champion for Ring of Honor. So that was pretty neat. Um trying to think, like Sky Blue basically is with AEW now. Um yeah, O'Reilly's the one I that I O'Reilly's the one that I remember seeing. Um, I think a YouTube video or whatnot, and I was like, "How did I miss this show?" And I, I love yeah. his work. And so, we did have a question here from somebody, uh, Dwayne. He wants to know if Bear is still a part of Zero One. I think he means Bear Saint Pierre. I rem he came into New Breed and that once I was kind of leaving. Is yes, he still he's actually he's actually part part. He's actually one part of the uh, higher up uh, of the ownership bracket. So. It's, he's, he's one of my partners. So awesome. Okay. I was just kind of um, going, he, he's kind of sidelined right now. He was in a, a motorcycle accident in a couple, I'm going to say a year this last October. So he's been kind of, he had retired already. Then now able to start coming back, back in May. Uh, but then he had another surgery on his leg that was damaged from the uh, motorcycle accident. So, um, he's just been showing up, being able to just, you know, He's been checking out the pre-show matches and stuff and, you know, like trying to, you know, see who we can use for the shows. If, you know, somebody stands out, we have a process now where, um, say like four, four thirty, um, we have maybe six guys, seven guys that show up, maybe want to 
see if they can get on the pre-show. So we have them do their matches beforehand. You know, the whole locker room's behind them. It's almost like being in front of a live crowd because of, it's just so loud and tremendous and everybody supports each other. So, um, and then, you know, the best out of that gets the pre-show spot. So um, it's a nice process that we have now. So, so um, but yeah, Bear's still part of it. Um, I don't, he's, he's hit or miss when he's there. So he doesn't, he doesn't have like an active role right now. We're just, you know, going with the flow. So. Yeah, that's one of the names I, I, I recognize from when, I, you know, I was kind of messing around in the business years ago. I also noticed you have uh, DeCobra. He's still around, and that's a guy I love oh. watching work back in the day. He started uh, in New Breed with us. He, and he, he needs great. a contract, dude. He's amazing. He is, and, and he's, he's only gotten better. I, I've noticed he's bulked up quite a bit, and uh, he's, oh, he's yeah. got the look and everything. So I'm glad to see he's yeah, still every around. Yeah, we get a, he gets to work Matt Fitchett this weekend, and he just won the, uh, what was it, the AAW Heavyweight Championship last weekend um, in Chicago, uh, Danny Daniels' place. Oh, That's wow. where a lot of guys came from. Yeah. So, like, Seth Rollins came from there. Oh, and, yeah few others so our favorite mance warner he was the uh aaw champ there for a while so we love mance warner oh yeah yeah it's uh, we had him a few times uh i remember one of the last matches he had he was the cage match against our champion at the time shank barzini so who just uh retired right uh, a couple weeks back i believe i, I saw yeah that. yeah yeah so um I'm trying to think of anything else i'm I mean, there's just so many people that go in and out. I mean, they hit a, hit a little bit big somewhere else. And, like, like a lot of guys are hitting GCW now that's came through our doors. Um, I don't know if you guys watch war games that are Art of War from GCW. Oh, we, oh, we were, were there. there. <laughs> or, yeah, we were, too, because we were the one that provided the, the cage for it. So, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, that I, was I don't know war. how we didn't run into you. Yeah, we were, we were up there the whole day yeah. for Black Label Pro and then uh, Game Changer, so. You know, Lander, though, showed out that show, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you guys have uh, seen him hit, hit anywhere up. Uh, Jake Lander. Uh, I We saw him in uh, GCW. I, like, I just saw him on that uh, War Game show in the three-way. Yeah, he was the scramble. Yeah. He's right. the one that hit all the crates, I think, when he jumped out or something yeah. like that. He got <laughs> yeah. tossed out. But, no, he's, he's, he's <laughs> damn impressive. So He's Dave, crazy. Yeah. He's, he is crazy. So... Um, but I mean, we got, uh, we got guys like Joey O'Reilly. He's made many appearances on WWE. Um, I know, I think Luke Harper was one, uh, Jack Gallagher, he wrestled, um, not Luke Harper. I'm sorry. Uh, the redheaded guy, Oh, Rowan. Or the bald guy with the red beard. Yeah. Rowan. Rowan. Yeah. Eric Rowan. Um, Let's see. I mean, like in Jonathan Grisham was one of our uh, junior heavyweight championship. He's the one that actually made our championship a heavy or a world heavyweight championship. Well, you guys, so, and you I'm guys sorry, had Jordan, Jordan Grace down there too, as well, right? Yeah, we had her down there too. She was in our uh, junior tournament um, the year before last. So um, another big, big, uh, big person coming out like through our doors and out. I think Billy Starks. She's been everywhere all over the united states now and for being only 16 years old so so david we got a question for you from yeah from mindy elam she writes in she says what has been your favorite match this year oh my goodness um 
I don't know. There's so many of them. That's just like every like war games is great. Um, this though, this ladder match that we had in Decatur, it was nuts. We have uh, four million views on our TikTok video of the sec of the like two or, th- or like the four second spot that uh, where uh, Landers pushes uh, Jimmy Carrot off off a ladder through a bunch of tables. So I don't know if you guys should check that out. It's actually on our YouTube page, I think. Oh, yeah, the Decatur I've, event. I've seen that one on on YouTube. Four million. That's a nice number. Yeah. Yeah. And it just jumped up. It was like 1.1 million recently. And then like probably five days ago, within like two or three days, it jumped up to over 4 million uh, watches. Now that's on TikTok, you said? Yeah, that's on our TikTok account. How how does that translate to your YouTube? Do do, do YouTubers also watch it as often or is TikTok the place? TikTok's the place because it's clips. You just do like, I think the minutes, the longest you can have and up to three minutes now if you have. Like you, you have so many followers, but I mean, I do like maybe 10, 12 seconds, you know, okay. clips on there. The last one we had was from Decatur, that big jump spot. Um, we have another one where uh, somebody's just, another one that has like 200,000 views that has uh, somebody gives you a Canadian destroyer off of a, basically like a Frankensteiner. So like, why somebody's up on somebody's shoulders like a, a tower of doom type thing. So, I mean, there's we've been trying to go across all formats. Just uh, Facebook. We have a great, great, great guy that does all write ups. His name's Chris Cunningham. Um, if you've noticed any of the Facebook posts that we have, he does, he does, he does all of those. I like. I'd be. I don't know what I'd do without him writing up all these great. Uh, great great uh descriptions and then he does our press releases too for the newspaper i mean i got a great team behind me so and great and great girls and guys that work for me i mean it's like been some of the best roster members and locker room that we've had in in years since the pandemic started we just everybody's just been grateful for being able to wrestle and just are hungry and just want to want to do it yeah, having a great team behind you like that's obviously why you've been doing this for, like you said, almost 15 years now. Um, so, you know, primarily you run in the southern Illinois area, Mattoon, south of there. Uh, we had a question. You know, you do, you were doing some champagne shows there for a while. Any thought on bringing it back up here? I, you know, I think we all kind of feel like I, the champagne area is an untapped resource. Uh, it is. I, I actually, uh, yesterday I, I had the city uh, – city center um because i'm looking for a march date because i want to do a war games uh up in champagne so we usually do it in decatur um we have a big show in decatur once a year but um we're going to try to go somewhere else too at the same time so um well let us know how it goes with city center and if you need to uh have anybody reach let us know we know a few people over there yeah, that'd be great. I, I just sent in the, you know, the regular submission form to uh, have them contact me. So I don't know how well they answer those. It's been a couple of days. So if you yeah, want to put a good word in for us, that'd be great. This year, they like haven't done anything because of COVID still. So I'm sure they're chomping at the bit to fill some slots next year. Yeah, I definitely could just do a couple of slots there. I mean, we had decent, we had decent turnouts. You know, it just depends on what Thursday we ran uh in champagne at the time um because there's just so much stuff to do there during the week for like students and stuff 
like you know like we'd, we'd have a good crowd you know about twice a month you know sometimes we only ran one thursday but you know, it just depends on when the building uh, allowed us to they city were, centers like, right off of campus, campus so is it we got a surprise guest <laughs> starting out in the midget wrestling league apparently so uh, so david let's get into this coming saturday you guys are running at the burgess osborne auditorium in mattoon and uh you've got a special guest you got sunny coming in and uh oh, yeah. what else uh do you guys have planned for saturday like what can we expect out of you okay uh saturday we've had this uh as you can tell the premiere is a big part of our uh uh our uh, core roster there's three of them and we have the low lives we have a big main event that uh all three premier members versus uh the low lights and jake lander um we have a bunch of first time matchups it seems like we were able to score a few of those we have victor analog former junior heavyweight champion versus uh matt fitchett um the gunslinger um we have uh, Trish Adora versus Rain Victoria with her re uh, her her, her uh, comeback from uh, having a little one. So um, it's her first match back. Um, let's see. We have and we have, of course, we have Jimmy Carrot, and uh, he's defending this title. Um, we have Con against Saving Gage. He's a guy out of Chicago. Real good kid, up and comer. Um, Conley versus Gary J. I don't know if you guys know Gary J. or not. Uh, I've seen some of his work, but I don't know him yeah. all that well. He's a great guy. He's a great wrestler. Um, everybody on our roster. It's it's a stacked roster. We have so many. Like we have anywhere from like we try to we we usually have no less than nine matches a show. It's just everybody wants their foot in the door. Everybody wants it. And we have a couple pre-show matches, too. There's a little bit of everything for everybody. So, And we have our up-and-comers, the guys that have been uh, in the train, been trained over at IWAU. We have uh, their working country here. It's DC Black, um, Devontae Knox, and Chris O'Brien versus uh, JPP and uh, CMC uh, versus a couple uh, – guys that came out of the Elgin training center. Um, and they've been training with team ambition with the uh, Davy Richards. Okay. Um, and all them over there. So in St. Louis, but, um, yeah. And plus, you know, of course, Sonny's going to be there. That's going to be the bit. That's one of the biggest, uh, I guess, what was your guys' facts fact sheet on that? I was reading. Well, she um, uh, not only is she a WWE Hall of Famer, but she was one of the most downloaded women on the internet in the mid '90s. I think right up there with uh, Cindy Margulis or Cindy Margulies. Pamela she Anderson. was yeah. AOL girl, right? Yeah, and right now, I, Sonny's got an OnlyFans account that has got one of the largest subscribers, as far as I know. Uh, her OnlyFans is one of the biggest on the the site. Maybe we need to get her on as a guest one day too. <laughs> yeah, um, it ain't free. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um she uh yeah because i think when she when she when she first did her only fans wasn't a, like a record setting thing at the time like for the month yeah i'm pretty sure back then and then you know she's had some trouble here and there but she hops right back on 
to the OnlyFans, and then the subscribers go back up. So hopefully, you know, Sonny, uh, that hopefully this is this is the road to back to good things for her. I, you know, she's she's lived a, a pretty rough life overall. I think I don't think professional wrestling's given her the most fair shake in the world. Um, yeah, and she really kind of started it for the the divas. I think Sonny was kind of the the front runner for that era. So yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, oh, we have a lot of good stuff coming up. If you guys, uh, we've been, we decided this uh, year that we're going to do a few shows where we do double shot weekends. Um, the first one in January will be 22nd. And we've already announced the main event for that will be Camaro Jackson versus Jake Lander in a steel cage match. Nice. Um, and then, uh, the 23rd is going to be the women's tournament to crown a new, champion so Where and we've already be? signed uh we signed a few people for that already we're gonna, it's gonna be a pretty good show we've got a little bit of everybody from around the united states coming in for that so um go ahead so i saw when uh you guys released the uh, news about the women's tournament and it's called the josie tachi cup so that, did i read that right yeah uh what's the significance there because i'm not real familiar with the name uh was she a former? Um, it's worker? it's a name that we came up with uh, that was uh, synonymous with our Takachi tournament, um, but it's just you know for you know it just basically is the feminine version of it. So, um, in the language in the Japanese language, very nice. So it's it's not actually it's a tournament we actually came up with. So it's not anything like the Takachi tournament is basically we're we're doing the U.S. version of the Japanese one that they do at zero one there. Okay. The, the the Josie one that we came up with was uh, one that we came up to crown our first uh, women's champions that we had, and that was Thunder Kitty at the time. Gotcha. So, so do you send talent over to Zero One in Japan often? Uh, not so much anymore. Um, we John Grisham was the last one that had been over there. We you know we had some people come that were here doing tours, and we pick them up for our shows. Um, is a big, a big, uh, big like stuff with visas and all kinds of stuff like that. So, yeah. um, but we can when we we tried we tried to we've had a a few people that's been through there like Spiral we had in Champagne at one of the festivals he had trained in Zero One, uh, Travis Banks had come through our doors he had been part of Zero One Japan, um, he was from uh, he used to be in NXT UK. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Grisham was the mainstay. He was actually the Zero One Japan Junior Champion. Why he was the uh, Zero One USA World Junior Champion too, and that's he's the one that made our title a world title by defending it in Japan and a few other places overseas. So, um, then our women's title has been defended in Canada. Um, so it's a world title, and then our. Uh, tag team titles have been defended in Mexico a few different times. So with the hooligans, when they were champions, I don't know if you guys remember those guys. It's is, is they've that the been retired brothers? for a few years now. That Devin and Mason cutter. Yes. Okay. I remember amazing. That. Yeah. Amazing wrestlers. They were a lot of fun to watch. Real good. They're they nuts. And they, they're nuts and they're crazy. It's, it's just, it was a good combination and they did a, uh, I know they were at one time they worked the Viking war party. I think it was, uh, 
Jake Parnell versus and uh, Frank Wyatt versus another tag team from Mexico at NGW out of Mexico. So, and like you know, you know, they were all over the place. I think that's on YouTube too. Okay. Um, but they've done it a few different places in Mexico. They they used to travel all over. And they were tag. They were probably one of the longest tag champions that we had. So, so you booked the uh, hooligans. Did you also book Neil Diamond Cutter also, or did you just have them as the tag team? Uh, I've had um, I've had him singly before. So, um, not. I think I I don't remember if I had him as a trio at the time. I might have them versus the Vikings at one point when it was Parnell, Rudolph, and Wyatt. So yeah, Parnell is another big big uh guy that blew up coming through our doors too that's one of the biggest ones that um he came in um he ended up defeating matt cage if you remember mike you might remember him i do yeah Um, yeah he uh defeated him and then like basically he had i think he had close to 60 defenses under his belt before he uh he vacated it actually so oh actually he lost it to gary jane a last man standing match which is on YouTube too. I don't know if you guys, you guys heard of the incident where Gary J sliced open Jake Parnell's face with a uh, turnbuckle. No, I hadn't heard about that. No, is that on YouTube? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, it's on YouTube, and I got pictures of it too. I mean, I have to share that's that when on like page. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, on our YouTube page. Yeah. Um. But uh, that blew them up pretty big. Like Gary was already out there and everything, but I mean they everybody started booking Parnell versus Gary J and all the independents. Um, they were, they were fighting everywhere. Corey pro anarchy, um, BL or black label pro. Uh, they even did, uh, they even had a match and evolved for the junior heavyweight championship on the main card. Um, but it was a pretty significant, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. After that, he, I mean, he was just tough. He continued to match after his lip was basically just hanging there. Yeah. Like it got his, like it got caught in his lip and sliced down and you could just see his lip hanging there while he was, while he finished wrestling. So, um, it was pretty gnarly. And then of course, you know, he's, he's been on TNT. He's, and then he was just recently on dark again. Um, so, and he's been all over, he's getting ready to go to UK. Um, to wrestle over there in I think February. So, so, you but, uh, go ahead. So you talked about having like everybody that's passed through. Is there anybody on your short list that you want to bring in to zero one in the, in the near future? Um, we have Davey Richards and March coming in. Um, he, he did a few shows for us back in the day, but now he's back full force strong and this guy's all over the place. Like, you know, he's like, Hey, you got any open dates? And I gave him dates and he's, he's booked all the way up until I could get him. And I booked him back in October and March. So that tells you how far ahead he's, he's gone. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Um, I mean, we just got such a core roster. It's just like, it's just, we got guys that are just doing great stuff. Like our tag champions, uh, defended their titles in Texas and won the, te- the you know, championships in there whenever they, Defended their t- our titles. They won another set of tag titles. Uh, Camaro's been around a few different promotions to uh, defend his uh, title. Um, that's one thing that we that that I think we do different than a lot of uh, 
the indie promotions that are like um, on a smaller scale, like our, we have traveling champions. There's a lot of places that want to book our championships and um, have them defended there. So that we do that quite often since the pandemic, it wasn't, it slowed down a lot, but before that it was, it was a big thing. So um, with all the releases from the WWE lately, uh, are any of those people attainable to you or desirable to you guys to try and pull in for even one-offs? Yeah, I, I, uh, Alex Zane would be one of them. Um, Anthony Green. Um, I, Anthony Green actually ran our 0-1 in the Northeast before he got signed to WWE. Um, we had a promotion up there for a little bit, too, last year. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Um I don't know anybody right offhand. So, have you reached out to anybody or anything? Or, um, Alex Zane, I have, but he was he was booked for you know I wanted to use him this I think back in October for our anniversary show, but he had he was booked in uh, GCW that day because um, he was in Anarchy the night before, uh, just right around St. Louis. So then I skip and a hop and jump the mat tune. So, um, but he had LA that next day, so he had to fly out pretty late on Friday night. So. Um, hey, David. No, not so, really. We just keep busy. We've got another so. question here, and I already know the answer, but I'll ask you. A uh, friend of the show, Jonathan Mayer, here, he wanted to know if referees Justin and Robert King got their start with 0 1. And if so, did they, uh, did, did they ever do the Hebner Twin Magic gimmick with them? I know that they started um, with New Breed Wrestling. So, <laughs> yeah, they, they started about a month before they worked our first show. And then, um, all, basically all of the promotional videos that they got for uh, that they sent him for WWE that got Justin hired, they shot at her shows. Um, nice. But um, no, I see it was kind of weird because like we used Justin more as a manager than a referee because we, we kind of just gave him the creative freedom because he wanted to do the manager stuff. And I don't know if you, like after he got done with WWE, if you noticed how he, did a lot of stuff with the Cobra up in resistance pro. Yeah, I did. I saw, um, I saw a lot of that. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, he's just phenomenal. See, like we do, we did shows at one point in Rantoul a couple times a year um, for these kids and they literally like hate it. Like Justin would just dance and just like irritate the crap out of these kids where they would throw bottles at him and the Cobra on their way back to the, the back. Just, it's just crazy how much he, he can get. So, that was it. Just Lincoln, Lincoln, Lincoln's Challenge, right? Yeah, Lincoln's Challenge. Correct. Yeah, Newbreed ran some shows there back in the day, and yeah, those kids, the cadets, they would they would get into the show for sure. That was a good crowd right there. So. Well, they, yeah. they they came from backgrounds where they were kind of into this whole they, uh, they, they were into a rowdy. This was a good way to let them let out some of that aggression. Oh yeah, yeah, and then you know just you now basically they said you can do anything, cuss, do anything that you want more there, so. um and we did, you know, you know, you get somebody flick a little bit of water on her set, you know, on the crowd of them, they get all wild and try to come after them. Or <laughs> sometimes they'd even fight each other in the crowd when they get so hyped up with the, the matches going on and stuff. Just and then the only thing we couldn't do was uh, nobody. Hopefully nobody was able to, you know, nobody got hard enough to where they bled because that he's he said that would just set them all off. So. Yeah, I, um, I broke that rule there, actually. I've got did you? I we new breed did. 
a show. It was either our first or second show there, and we did a fans bring the weapons match. Myself and Gavin Alexander. Um, and I still have the scar on my forehead, actually. I bled all over the place there, and I maybe, maybe I'm the one that ruined it. But How did a Glock uh, 9 get in there? Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, Kyler, our road producer for the only road segment we've ever had, has a question. He wants to know, are there any famous pro wrestlers from the WWE or the GCW that you have promoted? Um, uh, Seth Rollins was Seth Rollins was used to be one of our tag team championships. If the lineage goes back to him. Our junior heavyweight title has been back as far as Austin Aries, um, Matt Seidel, which is which is, was Evan Bourne in WWE. Um, I mean, we've had Mance Warner through our doors. It was pretty big His in GCW. Yeah, we love Mance. Um, Have you ever had Danhausen? He's kind of blowing <laughs> up. I got to ask. No, I, we have not had him. Um, yeah, he's he, he's he's a great dude. I heard so. Um, I've seen him live wrestle whenever we've done the you know gone gone to Glory Pro to hang out there and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean. He, the guy has his own t-shirts and hot topic. You can't beat that. No. I mean, they're not even through anybody. They, I mean, like I know, uh, pro wrestling tees used to have some kind of contract with them, but I mean, he got these on his own and they also like, he had like a mask and a t-shirt set where, you know, like the old school, like seventies and eighties, uh, plastic mask that you used to wear for Halloween. You know, you get the, that, uh, that set where it came in a box and had like the plastic, uh, plastic Superman suit, which would crack because it was so cold um, oh, when yeah. you went trick-or-treating. I, I don't know if you guys remember those type of, type oh, of costumes. Oh, yeah, I remember very well. <laughs> <laughs> like, you couldn't even wear it afterwards. Like, not yeah. like nowadays where everything's made of, like, nylon or something. You could wear it for, like, weeks afterwards. Like, my kid was still wearing his Halloween costume <laughs> for six months. Um, but, yeah, they had, like, the Dan Housen face. So, you know, like the Sting face that they sell? Yeah, they had a a pack of that. I think it was that Hot Topic too. I thought that was pretty neat. Nice. So, yeah, he's a he's a guy who the injury bug bit. I think at the worst possible time. Once he heals, oh, yeah, up, he's, man, he's going to get same bugged, time. So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We have another question here, real quick. Yeah. Um, we won't keep you too much longer, but Dwayne wants to know: Have you always been a promoter? Have you ever wrestled at any point? I guess what he's asking is, what really got you involved with this, David? Have you been a fan your whole life, or uh, yeah, know. I've been, I've been, uh, I mean, it started whenever I had a neighbor, uh, I was friends with, uh, I guess I would say his nephew and, um, he would just get all the pay-per-views like, cause that's when it was only like four pay-per-views a year or something like that. And that's what we do like on that Sunday or whatever, when it came on. Um, and I was just, a, I'm like my big, my favorite guy's the undertaker. Just, he just was phenomenal. And I didn't get a watch since I grew up with you know, in a single mom home, I wasn't able to go watch like live wrestling until I was 18. Like, you know, I had a job and I could pay for it myself. And it was at the, uh, champagne, uh, what's that place called state farm center now? Assembly Hall. Yeah. The assembly hall. Yeah. And the main event was undertaker versus Bret Hart. And that's the one, like, I think one of the matches was, uh, Mick Foley or Mankind versus Triple H in a street fight, of course, because they always did street fights in the house uh, shows. I was at that uh, show. They had uh, Rockabilly against uh, Road Dog just a, about a month or two before they started teaming them up together. So, 
Yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and Pillman that's, that's, was there, and that was one of Pillman's last uh, appearances yeah. in uh, WWE as well. And I also, uh, let's see, uh, the big, what I, my brother, my, I have a, a biological brother I didn't meet until I was probably in my early 20s, which was Gavin Alexander. So and then, like, later on, a few years after I found out he started wrestling, I just showed up at one of the shows that he was at, um, you know, kind of hobnob there, and I, uh, I started I, taking promo photos. I didn't know you and so. Gavin were related. Yeah, so like I said, Gavin and I, that was the match that I did at Lincoln's Challenge was him. We worked uh, together quite a bit. I always liked working Gavin because he worked snug, yeah. and, and so did I. So, <laughs> But um, so I, I started taking uh, promo photos for, and making logos for guys at GAW. And then I, I crossed over to Newbreed and did a few things there with photographs. But then I had a couple guys from GCW. No, I'm sorry, GAW that uh actually lived in Matt Toon. And it was like, hey, this just see what we can do about getting a show here. So I mean they were with me for maybe like one or two shows and they dropped off as like partners and I basically did it myself for a while until uh Bear joined in um as a partner. So um but I mean we just it's been crazy. I can't believe we've been doing it for 15 years. So there'd be nights where unload after the show till like two o'clock in the morning you know now to to now where i have a swarm like it's a huge team that helps with everything i got guys that help me flyer i got a good design team i got good production team now um just and then so many people show up just for opportunities every show it's nuts i'd have sometimes i have 10 people that want to get on the show and there's no way they can but they'll stay and help out and you know, do what they can to be part of the show. So it's just nuts how crazy it is. So is this a full yeah, gig for you started now? Off as a, I basically started off as a, a photographer and then decided I wanted to do that in my hometown and went from there. And it's been a pretty, pretty awesome ride. So, when you, you know, I've, I've uh, got to see, uh, couple of my friends on AEW, like I got to be in the stadium when they did their dark match as only one in the audience. It was kind of nuts because they, they did it after the show and sent everybody out. So we, that was in Florida. Um, I mean, I just, you know, evolved, no Gabe and all that kind of stuff. So um, just, it was kind of neat just to be able to meet people. And we were part of a lot of the pre-show stuff when they were doing all the NXT guys coming in to evolve too. So it was kind of neat to see all that happen for them. And our, one of our first matches that we had with them was Jake Lander versus Joey O'Reilly. And that's when Mustafa Ali was in the main event. And it was the first time it was a WWE produced show. Like that's the first time that they uh, actually had the logo at the end of the broadcast. So that was kind of neat to be part of that first show. Yeah. So um, even if it was pre-show, but I mean, they sh- you know, it was all part of it. So it was just pretty neat. So is this your like only gig or is this just part-time for you or do you do other things? No, or is I, have, this your gig? I have a couple of jobs. I mean, my wife's a nurse and, uh, but I just always been someone that's always doing something. So, right I mean, that's, you know, I do wrestling I have a regular job too. Um, I have a second job too that I've worked at for since I was a teenager that I just worked part-time at, you know, just, you know, I just try to keep busy. So try to keep busy and, 
Um, like my I youngest. A, I was gonna say, I think uh, I heard a little one in the background. I keep that keeps everybody busy. Yeah. Oh no, no, that was the TV. But I have a, <laughs> I have a, a thirteen-year-old and a twenty-two-year-old. So ah, um, sort of almost kind of past the busy stage with them then. Yeah, yeah, and like uh, there for the last couple of years, my youngest, he's been refereeing. Like he's been trained to be a pro wrestler and refereeing, but he's kind of, uh, kind of got off that right now, um, to, cause he's homeschooled. So it's kind of, we kind of are adjusting the schedule accordingly. So, um, he hasn't been doing that as much as he was before, but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. How, how old are your kids again? Don't you have a few young ones? Uh, yeah, I do. I've got a nine, a three and a two year old. So my hands are always full. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so tell us, uh, as we wrap here, give us a big sell on the show this weekend, uh, Saturday night in Mattoon, Illinois, right? Yes. Give us, give us your big sell pitch for everybody that's listening. Uh, the show will actually go on our podcast, uh, stream. It's live now on Facebook. It'll go on our podcast Thursday night. Or Thursday morning, so people that listen to only the podcast will hear all of this. So, sell us all on right, this um, show Saturday. It's a musty show. It's the last show of the year. Um, we got first time matches. We got a WWE diva, um, and we got a returning former women's champion wrestling. We have some new debuts um, from Trisha Dore, which uh, is a pretty huge name on the indie circuit right now. Um, I mean, it's only 20 bucks to get in all the front rows are sold out. Um, we're getting close to capacity already, which we do about every show. Um, but we do stay in room only. Um, I mean, you just got to come out meet Sonny. It's only, uh, 30 bucks or I'm sorry. I'm going to, I don't want to get this wrong. It's 20, 20, 30, 20 for a picture, 20 for an autograph or $30 for a combo, I think is what the price is. Um, is that I all mean, paid at, paid at the site? Yeah, you can, you can, uh, go to the website, www.01.com slash tickets for general mission tickets are the only thing available right now. Plus you can check the site out. Um, www.01.com slash sunny is where you can get your meet and greet packets at. Um, and then 01usa.com, just check it out. Um, we have some uh, YouTube content. We have a few shows up, but most of it's on IWTV, and we're kind of backlogged right now. So we'll hopefully in about a month, we'll have probably about four more shows added to it. Um, just the production of that, you know, is on a standstill right now for commentary and stuff like that. It's just backed up. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we got web content, too. We have short uh, – we have the low lights show that we did last year. It's I think it's maybe 12 or 13 episodes long. Maybe, you know, anywhere from seven to eight minutes. We got the venture, the evil adventures of babysitting with Rain Victoria, um, co-starring Logan Cavazos. Um, <laughs> um, check that out. It's, and then plus we got uh, Shanked, uh, the movie and Shanked 2, uh, Shank Goes to Hell. It's a couple mini movies, short movies that we did with pro wrestling involved in it. Um, actually, we, we started that about a week before WrestleMania. Um, before the Undertaker and AJ Styles match that they had, the cinematic one. Right. So I mean, it, it was kind of neat that you know, you know, we, you know, we were just doing 
I think maybe it was 20 minutes long or the movies are. You guys should check them out. Let us know how they are. And these um, are on the website? Yeah, these are on the website, but they're on the there's links to them. They, like up on the top, you'll see all the tabs. It'll say Shanked. Cool. Or cool. it'll say like series and they'll have, you know, all of our series on there. So yeah. Um, just, yeah, come out, have some fun. It's always a great crowd. It's loud. You're going to get a full almost three hours of wrestling, even longer with the pre-show matches. Definitely get your money's worth, and you get to see maybe some of the future, definitely see some of the future stars that you'll see in AEW later on, even if it's on dark or they get signed. I mean, we got some young guys come up and coming or hungry, and they're all over the place. So. So I don't know who else, like, as far as, like, Bringing in for attractions like how you got Sunny. Obviously, she's not going to wrestle on the show because she never really wrestled. But I can say if you're looking for more people, I know a certain manager of champions that I think is worth uh, reaching out to. That's a friend of the show, Bill Alfonso. And uh, I know he's talked about maybe coming working some shows in the Midwest coming up. He's been working some shots in Ohio. But uh, yeah, um, I met him down in CCW. Um, we had a couple of wrestlers that we went down there and we did like a tour of Florida and hit up, uh, hit up. She, she had CCW for a couple of week, or for a couple of days that, that weekend. And then, uh, there was Tuesday night we did WWN. Um, and then Wednesday was dark and then Thursday was Atlanta. So like, yeah, we, he's a, he's a pretty big part of CCW. I heard. So he's at all their shows. I noticed, uh, yeah. um, coastal championship wrestling. Correct. out of florida yeah. mm-hmm. they do like nashville tennessee now and stuff like that i mean they don't come up further up but i mean there there's a possibility of, of bringing them up so i mean yeah I, that'd be kind of neat so. i just saw him on an aiw show this past friday uh, manager matthew justice in ohio and uh yeah he's still over and just you know oh yeah he, has, he hasn't changed much that's for sure and that's his legit voice too that's what's yes. funny yes it is great guy though. <laughs> Reminds me of Macho Man. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's got that same but, gravel in there. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Well, I got. We don't have a whole lot more uh, to get into, Dave. Is there anything else you want to add before we let you go? Um. No, that should be it. I thank you guys again for having me on here. I probably wasn't as prepared as I should have been, but uh, it's been a little bit oh, busy with this. It's no a little problem. busy on on during the week. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, especially with a show show week coming up, so yeah. Well, you got an open door anytime you guys got a show coming up or any big news you want to break. Just let us know. We'll we'll bring you on, and then uh, right. also pass it out to uh, to your talent if anybody wants to come on and uh, get themselves over. You know, we'll be happy to talk with any of them. All right, sweet. I appreciate that. I'll let them know. Oh yeah. Well, thanks for coming on again, David. Uh, so for everybody who listening. Zero One USA this coming Saturday in Mattoon at the Burgess Osborne Auditorium. What time are your doors for that one, David? Uh, 6 p.m. And, uh, I mean, anyway, you know, matches may start anywhere from 6.30 to 6.45. We got some young and up-and-comers that want to want to show us what they got. Come and check it out. Have some pizza and stuff like that. So. All right. Sounds good. So, yeah, you'll right. get uh, three hours of great wrestling plus sunny. So it sounds like a hell of a time. Yeah. All right. right. David, thanks a lot for hanging out with us, man. We'll talk to you later. 
All right, for our listeners, we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break. We're back, and I guess the first thing we've got coming up today 
Thank you, David Cavazos, by the way. Is yes. uh, Mike and Mark, I think you guys want to talk about a throwback match. Uh, Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard from the Starcade in 1985. Yeah, it's it's Thanksgiving season. And uh, I don't know about you, Narge, when I think Thanksgiving, I think Starcade. Yeah, if it's that not was, Starcade, it's Survivor Series. So yeah, Starcade you know, was of, the original, though. That that's was the right. First, yeah. big pay-per-view, first big annual pay-per-view. You're older than I am, so. Not by me. <laughs> well, yeah. I like to think wiser, but, you know, potato, potato. So this match from the 85 Starcade was, I would say, it could be considered the greatest cage match of all time. It could be considered the greatest I quit match of all time. You know, it's, we talked about Funk and Flair last week last episode a little bit but this also goes down as maybe the greatest starcade match of all time narge and uh this was a hot feud back in the, the mid 80s you know magnum was red hot and totally was probably the most hated heel in the, probably the territory so and we've both watched this match several times over the years so what do you well i want to get your thoughts on this match i mean you, two guys who just the potential there was so much potential. Magnum TA, they were really building to become the biggest baby face in the company at the time. So this this seems like the most natural step, right? Tully and then on to Ric Flair. Uh, brutal match. It's been a while since I've watched it, but I just remember it was, it was brutal for what it was. Again, we joked earlier, it's not a 30-minute match. It's not a 45-minute match. It's a shorter match. But the impact is felt throughout the match. It's it's worked smart um, to do an I quit match in a cage. Very, very cool idea. So it's one that I enjoy. I'm a huge Tully guy. I like Tully. I always have. One of my favorite people that I've ever met is Tully Blanchard. Um, Just a very cool guy. So, Yeah, Tully was really firing on all cylinders in 1985 as a heel. And this basically came about because Tully had baby doll with them back then and she had a reputation for interfering a lot so that's why they had the cage and uh Tully had beaten Magnum a few months before for the U.S. title with the roller quarters you know that old chestnut <laughs> and uh so yeah they decided to settle it the, the good old-fashioned way with the wooden chair in the ring and yeah I know you remember that uh wooden stake spot at the end yeah but yeah. I, don't, I was reading here oh but I don't know if you realize this. Tully never did say I quit in that match. When Magnum was going to town on him with the stake into the into the cut in the forehead, he was saying yes over and over again. <laughs> he never said I quit, which by nature of the rules, he had to say I quit. So in my opinion, he never actually lost that match. So why did they declare him to have lost? That's got to ask that question of, I guess, Earl Hedner, who's the referee. We should call him and ask him. I don't think we can afford him. <laughs> oh, baby Earl, we'll number call, one. We'll think. call him Collect. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Hey, Earl, we have three jabronis from a podcast calling Collect. Will you accept the charges? So, uh, so do you think people know that, you know, Tully's daughter, stepdad, is Magnum TA? Yeah, that's the crazy <laughs> thing. Magnum married Tully's ex-wife. Yeah. And they have children together. Tessa calls them both dad. Like, literally, they have... They're very. She's very close to both of them. Yeah, Magnum was at the um, the first. It wasn't AEW. Was it all in all right? In, yeah. And then he he kind of rode his. He's got a segue, doesn't he? Yeah, he for I mean, it's not 
<laughs> really big news, but as a lot of people know, Magnum's career was cut short about a year after this match happened from a car accident, and basically he was he wasn't paralyzed. He can he can move around with assistance. Car or motorcycle? Car. Motorcycle, wasn't it? No, it was car. Was it a car? I thought it was His gimmick was the motorcycle. He was ah. always riding around the motorcycle. Okay. But he had a, I think it was a Ferrari or something, and he just took a, cur- a turn a little too fast, and, you know, the rest is history. Guy yeah, buys fast car. Guy wrecks fast car, that one. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Magnum, that was, like I said, that was about a year after this Starcade. He was supposed to go on and uh, dethrone Ric Flair at the next Starcade, 86. Yeah, and that's what I said. I mean, this it was only the natural. I mean, Tully was kind of the gatekeeper at that time before Arn even. You know, they were Tully was the the, yeah. the second in command. Yeah, Arn was doing the thing with Ollie as tag team, but Tully was the guy underneath Flair. Right. So, a lot of bad decisions and just uh, yeah. circumstances just a that kind of accident. Just, you know, you know, Magnum likes fast cars, and you know, just came back to haunt him a little bit. Yep. Uh, was the Magnum you, TA some kind of a play on Magnum PI, or is that just well, his totally real, unrelated? His real name is Terry Allen, but yeah, it was kind of a Magnum PI reference. Did he have the big mustache? Oh, yeah. He had, had the mustache, he had a mullet, chest hair. He was Did he Magnum wear Hawaiian t- shirts? No. He wore okay. leather so jackets. So a complete ripoff. No. He wore leather jackets, <laughs> rode motorcycles, but he was the mustache made a Magnum TA. He was like, like the heartthrob to to all the, the lady fans there. Was he considered the baby face? He was probably the top baby face, aside from Dusty Rhodes. Here you go. If that doesn't scream 1984, 85. <laughs> that, I'm looking at that picture and I'm thinking, that screams, I wish I was Hulk Hogan. <laughs> uh, he kind of has a Sam Elliott look. A little bit of that too, yeah. Roadhouse. I th- I think, He's a little more of this stash down the sides. but yeah. I think the hope was that he would be their Hogan before he got hurt. Like He was going to be their uber babyface world champion. Who's? Ma- uh, the NWA. Oh, this was done, NWA, not WWF. No, this is okay. the NWA. Gotcha. See, I no idea there. Starcade, man. Starcade is the NWA's flagship, like pay per view show. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Narge, let me ask you this about Magnum, and I'm I'm a fan. I've watched this stuff. I mean, a lot of it was in hindsight because I was five years old when he had his accident. But where do you think the NWA would have gone if Magnum hadn't gotten hurt? So Magnum was a little before my time, so I've seen the highlights. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously they were grooming him. Is is he the guy? Does Sting never get the opportunity to become the guy? So that's you know, that that's where I see it. If Magnum doesn't get hurt, Magnum becomes he's up there with Flair. He's he's the ultimate babyface. He's the Hulk Hogan baby to you know Flair's Randy Savage or DB whatever. Where I I don't think Sting gets as much consideration to be honest. I wonder if he would have if his career would have extended would he have been one of the cornerstones of WCW if he would have stayed in the ring. Well that's what I'm wondering. He's got that kind of that southern look and sound to him that I don't know if Vince would have wanted. Um and he, and again like you said he kind of looks like he's trying too hard to be Hulk Hogan. So I don't even know. See, I never Hulk had brought him over and made him a cowboy. So I never got the Hogan <laughs> vibe from him, but yeah, I could see them trying to make him like the biker from the village people if he went to the WWF. Yeah. But the <laughs> Or he's Sam Elliott from Roadhouse. There you go. <laughs> they would have changed his name to Elliott Sam. There you go. Yep. But he's one of those big what ifs that everybody talks about in wrestling. David Von Erich is another one. Yep. Who yeah, I know you know the Von Erichs who lived in Dallas. Yes. But you know, David died in Japan when he was twenty five, maybe, mid twenties. And he was supposed to be the guy. He was supposed to be Fritz's world heavyweight champion. He was supposed to be the guy to go with Flair. Yeah, he was the I mean Really, his death is kind of what started the, 
the spiral for the Von Erics. Oh, yeah. It, because all the brothers felt like they couldn't live up to the... Kerry yeah. tried. Kerry tried, but and he was, Kerry, you know... Kerry had that motorcycle accident where he lost his foot, and he was never the same after that. No, yeah. I mean, once you start getting into the, the drugs and the painkillers right, right. and... But he did get a run for about three weeks without world title, though, right after David passed. Which, when that happened, I mean, he was, I hate to speak ill of the dead, but he was kind of junked out of his mind most of the time. And yeah. then he got clean enough to go to WWF for a while, then his demons caught up with him, and then, you know, the rest of his history, he wound up taking his own life. He was 33, which is tragic. Yeah, when you look back, you know, as a kid, you see these guys, and you don't, you don't really, you don't put an age to them. No. But looking back now, I start reading things, and I'm like, well, he's younger than I was, you know, and it's just hard to believe what could yeah. have been. Owen Hart is another <coughs> one. Like, you know, Owen was Pillman, kind of mid-card you know? there for a while. Yeah, Pillman. There's so many guys that died way too young, Yeah, it's and sad, who knows what could have happened. It's a sad truth. Speaking sure. of the WWF and Texas, uh, jumping forward to the history section, which included this match also, Right, you had the uh, This Tuesday in Texas event. It was a discount pay-per-view on the heels of the 91 Survivor Series. The main event was a WWF championship rematch between Hulk Hogan and then-new champion The Undertaker, who had apparently won the title controversially at the Survivor Series. What do you all recall about that? I remember this was not a great pay-per-view. Have you seen this show, Nerge? Tuesday in Texas? Yeah. Yeah, it was them and then didn't Flair and... uh, Or not Flair, Savage and Roberts did their thing. Savage and Jake had their thing. That was the highlight of the show for me. Oh yeah, and which was the opener? It was, I think, yeah. Right. And then Jake slapped Elizabeth. Yeah. And it was just heat. Like he was just white, white hot. This w- now that was not the episode where the the the, the snake bite, right? No, was that, that was Saturday superstars. night's main event or superstars. superstars. Okay, yeah, that was during the afternoon. <laughs> you were seven during this one, right? Eight ninety one. It was, and I remember being disappointed as a kid because this was the first Survivor Series to break away from the traditional team warfare. They had they, the one off with. Had- I think one elimination match. Yeah. And so I was disappointed because I always enjoyed the teams. That's yeah. I think that's what they need to go back to survivor series. Just do, do elimination matches again. Yeah. Lose the title champion versus champion matches and all that stuff. No, the, the warfare with the mixed teams I love, but what I remember as a kid being seven years old, being a Hulk Hogan fan, this was the first time, um, Couple days before he wrestled the Undertaker, I remember thinking he can't beat this guy. He's he's dead. This guy's dead. He can't be. I'm seven. You know, he who, can't who, beat him. Who can't beat who? Hulk Hogan can't beat the Undertaker. You thought the he's Undertaker dead. was that much superior? Yeah, I was gotcha. seven. I thought he was dead. Nice, nice. Uh, Hulk got close, and then that damn Ric Flair came out there with his steel chair, and uh, the the winds of the winds of change came on. And uh, are you pressing a button? He's <laughs> Got to get some Ric Flair action in there. And The Undertaker has arrived. You got a Hulk in there? Uh, no Hulk. You better add a Hulk button. If you're going to do on, this, brother. you got to add macho, Hulk. I don't have a Hulk. I got Use the macho. We'll pretend it's Hulk. Oh, yeah! Close enough. But, uh, you know, and The Undertaker did win in a controversial fashion. Hogan gets the belt back two days later. Vince couldn't let Hulk also, without the belt. You well, know. But here's the thing, though. That was also... Con- Hogan used the ashes out of the urn into the eyes and got the tights because, you know, Hogan, huge heel for years. <laughs> it wasn't the urn we speak of here a lot, right? Urn. Oh. Wrestling no, guy. No, I'm no. joking. No. But uh, 
But no, so that's that, Arn. It's Arn, Arn not turning no wonder. Sure, sure, come on. Well, it's Arn. You're rare. Like, sorry about that. <laughs> I was, I was going to try and go the whole episode. I shall now drink Arn a bottle of tequila and go sit in a corner and cry. But uh, but no, they wound up holding up the title after that match on the Tuesday in Texas, and that's when they did the Royal Rumble with Flair. When, oh, that's right. So they decided with two ridiculous finishes in a row over the just span to of get three the days, belt on Flair, just to get the belt on Flair, and then to get it on. Well, they were supposed to put it on Hogan, but. I don't know what happened there where WrestleMania changed and Hogan got Sid in the main event. Instead of Hogan Flair. And that's a, that's another I, what if that I you think know. they I think the reasoning was that they weren't drawing in the house shows. Yeah, that's what I had read. I you know, I don't even I don't know if that would have mattered in the big scheme of things looking back, Hogan and Sid was a big old fart. Where yeah. Flair Flair and Savage was fantastic. That it really should, was. That should have been the main event. That's actually the tattoo I got on my arm is Flair after the Rumble. After no, this is after Mania. Are you sure? Yep. This is the one where he's in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this isn't the tear in my eye. No, no. Oh, okay. I'll show it to you. This is yeah. when he's talking about this, the pictures. He's, that he's, is Flair yep. going, woo, is That's what right. that is. Yep, this is. He's going, woo. Exactly. Hey, we got a listener or two commenting. Uh, let's go back to uh, Dwayne said that if Magnum hadn't had the accident, he would have been their top star. Agreed. Dwayne, are you listening? That's what we said. He's listening. No, no. I, <laughs> I'm going Dwayne, back to his no. comment that he made. He made it while yeah, we were this talking is a while about ago. it. It just showed up here. But no, Dwayne, uh, you, are, you are correct. Okay, I see what right? you're saying. Minder says she, too, wishes Survivor Series would go back to the four-on-four four matches. Right, yeah. When they were four-on-four, four, even five-on-five, five, just all the way across the board, just work your feuds into those matches. And it was great. It was almost perfect. Those are the ones I, I go back and watch. I oh, watch yeah. 89... 89 to about 96, 97, and then after that, sporadically. Yeah, but 90 being maybe my favorite. 91 with 90 the was okay. gooker, you know, the gobbledy oh, yeah. thing. You take Gobbledygook. That, this literally, it was, <laughs> it was his name. It was that a was picture we put on, on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, that turkey the turkey. Right on, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the gobbledygooker, Hector Guerrero. Vince McMahon thought it would be a good idea to debut a new character by busting him out of a giant dinosaur-sized egg. And, and it that was also a big fat fart. So. Mark Calloway was terrified it was going to be him. He was going to be the Eggman. <laughs> he was going to be the Eggman. So yeah. so Vince was much more of a used car salesman type. Back He's always then. been kind of a horse trader. But yeah, it, you know. But some yeah. of his promos were really kind of flat, huh? Uh, some of his yeah. ideas. He uh, you know Vince Vince has thrown some stuff at the wall that didn't necessarily yeah. stick. I'm going to say this though. Uh, last night on Raw, him with Austin Theory backstage was gold to me. I enjoy that. I Vince on TV's good stuff when he's the Mr. McMahon character yeah. and not the pandering. Yeah, because he's not on very often anymore. No, but here lately they've had him the last couple of weeks, and I think maybe he thinks that'll turn the ratings around. And it may. You never know. I'd like to see what he's going to do with Theory. Theory's <laughs> got a good look and can yeah. work. So I see Menders commented, Sid was terrible. Yes. No one's arguing with that. I, I'm but a huge damn Sid. Damn if he wasn't charismatic. Though. I'm a huge Sid fan. I enjoyed Sid as a kid all the time necessarily the best in the ring no but did he look like somebody that could beat somebody else's ass absolutely i wouldn't mess with he Sid. he did almost kill brian pillman once <laughs> is that what that, that, that uh, war games power bomb yeah. but he didn't account for the the roof hanging down too yeah low. brought him up and then poof yeah. all right i'm gonna move on Narge. we're kind of we're kind of rambling uh the november to remember in 97 happened uh actually on this day back in 97 24-year anniversary of this match. That's right. And uh, this is the one where Douglas won the ECW world title back from Bam Bam Bigelow in the main event. His former triple threat uh, cohort. And future. This was like in between Bam Bam's runs and the triple threat. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I've 
commented this when I think you posted this match on our Facebook page, right? Today? I did, yeah, for another group. So Bam Bam, this was brought around because of Rick Rude, right? Yeah. Rude was the guy who... Rude kind of got in Bam Bam's ear. About. I think people ultimately thought Rude was going to be the one to kind of mess with Douglas. And he was messing with him, but yeah. he, he wasn't going to work him. He was, he was going, he wanted to mess with Francine. Yeah. Well, who didn't? Uh, <laughs> She's 469, you know? That's right. <laughs> this was a fantastic match by two guys that I always enjoyed watching. I mean, this, you said earlier yourself, this is one of your favorite pay-per-views. This is probably in my top five ECW pay-per-views, but on top of this match, which, you know, I'm always a fan of Shane Douglas. They has, this is the show they had the match with Tommy Dreamer and Rob Van Dam when Van Dam took that pile driver, and yeah, bounced about four feet in the air. One of maybe one of the best sell jobs of yeah. all time on that. So. Friend of the show, Bill Alfonso played a big role in that match with his cookie sheet and yeah, Furnace and Lafon, Stevie Richards <laughs> all made run-ins on that show. Uh, I don't have the whole card in front of me, but no, uh, I know uh, Sabu and Sandman did their. <laughs> Ladders yeah. and chairs match on this as well, which, you know, man, anytime you can dude. get Sabu and Sandman in the ring, you've got uh, violence. So. Yeah, drunken violence because, you know, Sandman probably tossed a few back before the show. Uh, yeah, before, during, after. <laughs> yeah, during the entrance. He's probably tossing some back right now. So he That's not water in the bottle. <laughs> He'd carry a six-pack in his pants and just be chugging beers on Is the Is that what he called it, six-pack? <laughs> He never had a six pack. Six pack. He was, no. he was the, the Sandman king of the was dad built bod. about like us. So he was <laughs> the king of the extreme dad bod. Yeah. Uh, nice, nice little throwback section there. A little bit of everything. That's yeah. I think I, I like that. Yeah, and uh, I, I had Magnum and Tully in the history section, but I'm going to expand that a little bit, Narge, and just talk about Starcade '85 in general, because that's one where uh, Dusty beat Flair for. Well, it was a Dusty finish. Like The crowd thought Dusty had beaten Flair for the world title, but then the referee had taken a bump and then wound up disqualifying Flair, but they didn't announce it until the next week on TV. So the crowd thought that they had a new world champion. And then when World Championship Wrestling came around on TBS the next week, they said, oh no, Flair's still the champion. And Dusty was uh, still a bridesmaid until about six months later. The old Great American Bash. 86, right? 86 yep. in the cage. But uh, and that's, uh, that's a feud that just kept on giving Dusty and Flair. We have an interesting as hell question from uh, uh, Dwayne. <laughs> and I don't know who he's referring to, so I'll just read what he wrote, and we'll All go right. from there. It says, Mark, if you were a wrestler, would you be a baby face or a heel? Oh, I'd be a heel. I, I'm just a natural heel when it comes to wrestling. I've find a fault in every baby face and then uh i can find logic and justification in anything a heel does <laughs> no how about yourself well when i was wrestling i started out as a baby face i kind of pandered to the crowd a little bit i i kind of stole a lot from the sandman who we mentioned i came out with a uh -huh. beer and drank it and smashed it on my head and had a chair eventually i got into a mafia like group where i became a heel and okay. working heel was almost easier you just come out and you yell at the crowd. You call people stupid idiots, and it, it works. It's it's you know, it was easier. Being a heel was easier. You could get people to hate you more than you could get them to yeah, like you. Right. That's why right. I've always heard it's easier to get people to hate you than it is to yeah. win them over. So I enjoyed that. So you said you were in like a mafia gimmick. Did you change your name to whatever the Italian translation of Pain Train is? <laughs> no, I did not. Pain Train. <laughs> yeah. No, I I shaved my beard off though and went uh, you know so I turned heel and went babyface. So. <laughs> 
I see what you did there. Yeah. You rascal. And I went from a t-shirt and jeans to a spandex top and black dress pants. I can't. I'm pretty sure I've seen something. Yeah. Picture video. And I'm like, yeah, I I haven't slept well since. It was a good look. (laughs) I look like the Kool-Aid man. Hey. Oh, yeah. So I'd have to be a baby face because I just don't see the allure in having people hate you. That's my problem. I, I would want that's people to like me. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> there might be money. The heels make the money. So, well, well, I don't know. Unless you're Hulk Hogan, good guys. you're not going to make a lot of money. So yeah. Baby face. Mindy says, heels are her favorite. So dance right around on. and smile, boys. Uh, I think we're up to the uh, part got, of the program where we... Uh, we got some birthdays. Happy birthday! So we got a few. We, don't, we had two last time. I got four this time. Well, what's interesting about the first one... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this one and do the rest. Sure, yeah. So on November 29th, the King of Memphis, the King of Professional Wrestling, Jerry the King Lawler's birthday, um, he is up there. He's one of the few gentlemen I've never met personally, and I was actually texting my wife during the show. Jerry was just announced he'll be at the C2E2 convention in Chicago next weekend with CM Punk, Adam Cole, Matt Cardona, just a, a whole slew of people. So next Saturday night... I think we're all going to Chicago, right? <laughs> why can't we, Mark? Next Saturday night, the 11th? Yeah. yeah nothing nothing happening, why. right? <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> That's what my wife said. No, unfortunately, we have a little family, friend, Christmas call, party. Call so. an office Christmas party slash family gathering. Yeah, so. On. And I'd rather be here. But at some point, yeah. I'll meet the king. Uh, he's you know he's a healthy gentleman these days. I mean, if they're like. starting at like 11 in the morning, nothing says we can't leave at 8, go and get back. <laughs> Narge, I'm going to throw this out me. there. I think we need to do an on-the-road episode where we just drive to Memphis sometime and track down Try the Try to king. find his house. Oh, just find his restaurant, the oh, Hall of Fame Bar and we've Grill. D- we've discussed, actually, my wife and I, I'd love to do it with you, but my wife and I have talked about going to Alabama and Gulf Shores this summer, and Memphis is on the way, so. Fight oh. <laughs> <Find> Conrad. <laughs> but, and I actually told her that, so well, we'll go to Memphis, because the last time we were on Beale, it wasn't there. Right. He literally were, built the restaurant like a year later. I think there are TS2 restaurants, two, two Hall of Fame Bar and Grills and different, one's on Beale Street and one's somewhere else in Memphis. There might yeah. be. I think I think he hangs on the one on Beale quite a bit. Yeah. I, he announces it all the time, which yeah. would be cool. So It's too bad that Jimmy Hart doesn't still have his Tiki Lounge Bar in Florida. I didn't know that was a thing. But uh, that's I digress. That would have been cool to find out. So on the, actually it's kind of funny, Nars, on the exact same day that our revered king of Memphis was born, in uh, I think it was in Texas, uh, Dirty Dutch Mantel was brought into the universe. Dirty Dutch, more, know more known for his mind than his uh, wrestling acumen, and, and his <laughs> his in nature sweater that he always had on. <laughs> but uh, Dutch was a very hirsute fellow. With, he looked like Yosemite Sam with back hair. Yeah, back and he's had a couple of different names over the years. Zeb right? Coulter, most recently, he was uh, Jack Swagger's manager in WWE. Uncle Zebekiah. Uncle Zebekiah, yeah, with the. Uh, it wasn't the Godwins, it was the Blue Brothers. The Blues, yeah, Jacob and Eli. The Bruce Brothers on other shows. But a great mind for the business. He gave Steve Austin his name. Yeah, he's he's got a podcast as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he, he is he's very opinionated. He I has think a lot he's of kinda, opinions. He's taken some from the Jim Cornette school of podcasting. Yeah. and I think a few less blue words than uh, <laughs> Jimmy. But I digress. Uh also on November 29th, not the same year, obviously, uh, John Bradshaw Layfield has a birthday, well, yesterday, so. Maybe the most notorious backstage bully in WWE history. That's JBL. what I've heard. Yeah. Although I hear he's buddies with the meanie now. 
I, I read that the other day. Yeah, him and the meanie had made up, and it was kind of a misunderstanding. And yeah. I think the meanie said he took a lot of responsibility for how all that went down. Right. So. Uh, if anybody hasn't listened yet, Bradshaw has a really good podcast with Gerald Briscoe called Stories with Bradshaw and Briscoe, where they'll have guests on and they just tell road stories, and it's a lot of fun to listen to. I didn't know that. You want to know why? Cause, because you don't listen to podcasts. Well, no, because Bradshaw blocked me on Twitter about two years ago. Is that right? I'm, I'm on his blocked what Twitter did you account. Do, You're on Michael? his Bully Ray list. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. Called him out on something he had done on TV. A lot of people had jumped on something he had done. Uh, no, it was the the Moro Ronaldo deal a couple oh, years back yeah. where Moro called him. I kind of jumped onto the crowd and said, "Hey, you know, Moro's, you know, way better on the mic than you are, buddy." And I, I got blocked. Well, to so. be fair, Bradshaw yeah. cut a better promo, but Moro was a top notch announcer. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, we miss Moro around here on TV. It's but. yeah, it's unfortunate we only get him on these random yeah. celebrity weirdo boxing things. Yeah. You know, he did Morrow, t- the Tyson thing. Moro has and, issues. He's, yeah. uh, he's got a lot of mental health problems, so good thoughts tomorrow, as always. All right, but moving on, we'll quit trashing on JBL. As much <laughs> as, which we're really not popular with attitude tag teams. Me, Bully Ray with me, you with Bradshaw. Yeah. Uh, the other birthday I have is uh, actually today. Happy birthday to Christian Cage from AEW, who is, I forget how old it said, I think 47. But uh, he'll probably, probably spend his birthday on Elevation. <laughs> Uh, just about to say he's been relegated to darker elevation now. Yeah. You know, from his big arrival to he he's they, he's kind of gone the Matt Hardy route of an afterthought. Yeah. So I hate to say almost the Jay Lethal route. Yeah, very quickly. Yeah. Dwayne has interjected that Stone Cold got his name. Stone Steve Austin no, got his name no, Stone uh, Cold Dwayne, from his wife. That's Dwayne, what he says. No, no, that is true. But Dwayne uh, Dutch gave him the Steve Austin name. Yeah, because Steve's real name is a lot of people know Steve Williams, and he was on a card with Doctor Death, Steve Williams. So yep. you couldn't have two Steve Williamses on the same show. So then Dutch gave him the name Steve Austin because Austin's in Texas. Well, yeah, uh, I think Steve was wrestling in Texas at the time, right? Yeah. And yeah. it was, it was the USWA thing. Yeah, it right. was random, and I I've heard this story. And Steve, he said that's a terrible name because a six million dollar man. Yeah. But it stuck. Exactly. It, it stuck with him. But no, Dwayne, you're, you're half right. Yes. And then his yeah. wife, the I, the Stone Cold Tea story. Baby Blossom. And, yep. But uh, then when Steve broke his neck, they rebuilt him because they had the technology. He was bionic. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a bad joke. He's the bionic redneck. <laughs> He's the bionic redneck. <laughs> All right. So that's a good list for our history and our birthdays. Let's and move now, on to our Letterman uh it's uh, it's show. my favorite uh, segment of the show, and I know it's all yours. It is Top Ten Tuesday, and Ooh, that sounds fancy. <laughs> so today our topic, and we were talking to David about Sunny coming on the show, the Zero One show on Saturday, and she was a manager of three consecutive tag team champions in WWF in the nineties. So that made me think of maybe doing a list of the top ten. Tag teams from the Attitude Era, which we kind of teased this a few weeks ago, Narge, when we were talking about our top 10 stars of the Attitude Era. So I figured, why not just go balls out and just do our top 10 tag teams from that time, too? And to Attitude Era, for a clarification, in case somebody wants to argue with me, is uh, 97 through 02. So that's uh, that's my that's my criteria. By argue, you mean Dwayne, because that's... Uh, that's who yeah, Dwayne's the argument. one trying to push my buttons here. <laughs> but... Uh, Nah, I, I'll never tire of telling Dwayne he's wrong. 
So, all right, so we'll start with number 10. And uh, we're going with actually one of the teams that Sonny managed to tag team gold, and that is the Godwins, Henry and Phineas. And uh, during the Attitude Era, that's when they kind of did their heel run after they got away from Hillbilly Jim and uh, got with Uncle Uncle Cletus. Was Uncle that his Cletus, name? yeah, I think so. Uh, that dirty was... White Boy, right? Tony yeah, Anthony? Tony Anthony. That was their best work. Oh, um, yeah. That was before they did the little mafia gimmick with Southern Jarrett. Justice. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the, the heel Godwins. Yeah. About time they started whacking people with those damn metal buckets That's that they right. carried around <laughs> instead of dropping slop on them. But, uh, yeah, they had a tag team title run in 97 during this period. Uh, had a damn good feud with the Road Warriors at this time. It rebroke his neck and then came back, and they just kept on rolling. Uh, number nine, kind of a uh, kind of an unsung tag team in uh, in my group here, the uh, team of Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart back in uh, about nineteen ninety eight, early ninety nine. They were tag champs for a good portion of the time, and this was two guys that were mainly singles wrestlers in Arge, but uh, man, they they gelled as a tag team. Yeah, no, they right up until Jarrett left for WCW, they were they were fantastic. Or no, uh, no Owen they, passed they, away they before Jarrett Owen left, passed, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but together they were they were awesome. I don't know why that couldn't have lasted longer. I'm not sure we needed the blue blade. You know, again, what ifs? A lot of what ifs right there. I know they made they wanted Jarrett to do the singles thing, right? He did. Yeah, I think uh, they were priming for another IC run. Yeah. So, and they, I think they wanted to get Deborah over, and it was easier to do with uh, with just one guy than two. Because Deborah was the one that was getting all the attention from the fellows back then. Oh, puppies! Yeah, Jerry Lawler gave her plenty of attention. Yeah. I so. wish there was a puppies button on my uh, soundboard. <laughs> I have to try to find one of those. Maybe you have to create one. Puppies uh, barking—is <laughs> that what you want? Boobs. Okay, but get a, a, what, what, what sound do boobs make well, on your soundboard? Well, Jerry, well, Jerry, Jerry Lawler, Jerry Lawler. <laughs> puppies. He puppies. was shrieks. Okay, yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, when I held out with the boobs gesture, it was very lopsided. So. Mender says Blue Blazer was a stupid gimmick. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have one for that. Okay. <gasps> it was a terrible idea. I know. I don't know what they were trying to do. But they should never brought it back. It was fine in the late eighties. Yeah, it worked there in the late nineties. Yeah, they shouldn't have ever brought it back. Uh, number eight, the Rock and Sock Connection. McFoll, uh, well, McFoll, Mankind and the Rock. They had some uh, just. Classic television with these two as, as a tag team. Pure entertainment, absolutely. Those the, uh, two, uh, the the best odd couple in wrestling, maybe. Yeah. The, this is your live segment. I think is still the highest rated segment on in the history of Monday Night Raw. Which I think both of them thought was going to be a big old... Fart in church. Fart in church, yeah. <laughs> and it ended up just blowing up, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think two-time... I just time... want to point out that farts in church blow up also. Ah. Yes. Uh, I think two-time WWF tag team champions. Uh, they beat... Big Show and Undertaker, and then I want to say they beat uh, maybe the New Age Outlaws. I forget for sure, but they had a couple short runs with the titles, so that's why they're on the list. But they are low because they weren't together all that long. Uh, number seven, you might be disagreeing with me on this for their placement on the uh, list, Narge. I got the Brothers of Destruction, Taker and Kane. No, I I'm okay with this because I feel like they had more powerful single runs during the Attitude Era than the yeah. tag team run. So yeah. the, there yeah. was a there was a picture I put on our Facebook page with them and asked were they better as a unit or as opponents? And I think the overwhelming opinion is they were better as opponents. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and, I I love them as a team. Don't get me wrong, but especially and, when Taker went biker Taker. 
you know. Oh yeah, no, that was much cooler then instead of the the dead man and yeah. his brother. I um, but anytime they had matches, whether it was then or even years later, when Kane shaved his head and they put Paul Bearer in concrete and all that. Well, that wasn't Kane. That was Undertaker and the Dudleys. Uh, well, whoever I don't know. I know. I know. Mark knows Nerd, everything. I know alert. nothing. I don't know. So I just and I, I know. Less. I, I appreciate when they when they came back together to right. wrestle. Uh, I think this is a good opportunity for a brown M M&M, and M narco. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm put it up. So, to all of those listening, what was your favorite iteration of the Undertaker over the years? And like I said, my favorite was the Biker, the American Badass period from 2000 to 04. What I, else was there? Well, there was the original Dead Man. Okay. Then there was the Ministry. There was the Biker, Big Evil. Yep. I guess they're kind. Of, I don't know if they'd be the same because there was Heel Taker, you know. And then there's the uh, the Rebirth of the Dead Man in in uh, 04. And then you'd get. I mean, he's had. Then he's Mohawk had, Taker, and you know. Yeah, it, it's based on looks. For me, it would be the original. I like the black and the gray. He looked like a cowboy. I like loved a, it. Like a Western mortician, I think they said was the description for that. Which that, <laughs> but, that's uh, what they went for. Yeah. So, well, they they got it. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> moving on here. So, if you yeah, if you have an opinion on that, either put it in the uh, comments or we'll put this out on our Twitter after the show's over. And uh, just jump on, sales what you think. Uh, number six, I've got two cool, Scotty Tuhati and Grandmaster Sexay, Narge, I'm which okay you have to that. say it that way because it's got the A-Y at the end. I'm okay with that. And then they, you know, they had their, their lackey, uh, Rikishi, <laughs> with them every now and then. What did he, he, he was a nobody, right? Yeah, who he ever beat. <laughs> Didn't, uh, no, if that guy had kids, they'd be terrible. Right. They couldn't get by get get over on their own, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> but no, two cool former WWF tag team champions. Uh, Scott Taylor, great wrestler, just released. Astro's released from WWE and yeah. is going to wrestle his first match in six years. I read today. I saw that because yeah. he'd been a coach for the at the PC. Yep, Astro's released. They granted yeah. it, and then, he wants to get back in the ring. Yeah. Then of course we got the late uh, Brian Waller, Brian Christopher, who was Grandmaster Sex A. Uh, we lost him a couple years ago, Narge, but he was. Uh, just great Memphis heel in in his day. Oh yeah, his, his facial expressions. I always enjoyed Jim Ross kind of nudging <laughs> uh, Lawler that it was his kid, and you know, oh shut up. Oh, it was all that was all fun. I loved it when Lawler and Christopher would be together, and they would just both be cackling like hyenas together. <laughs> <laughs> and you could not deny that they were related. But they did. <laughs> oh yeah, but that's that's old school. That's uh, Lawler just being the old school territory guy. You know, your kid comes up, give him a different name, let him get over on his own. Which I think is what they're doing with Braun Breaker, by the way, in NXT. I think that might be part of it. Uh, but moving on. Number five, Narge's favorite, JBL and Farouk. Get the uh, the Acolytes at number five. Several time WWF Tag Team Champions. Uh, they beat Michael Hayes on pay-per-view. And uh, they had a door in the backstage area. They did. That was I mean, they went from this demonic kind of uh tag team to these uh what bouncers essentially. Bodyguard, bouncer, yeah, body hunter, whatever you want to call them. They uh, the two of them just looked like guys you wouldn't mess with. No. JBL with one of the best clotheslines in professional wrestling. And Farouk is just call him sir and walk yeah, and away. Move on, yeah. But they both also had great singles runs. You know, Farouk was, you know, Ron Simmons was a world champion before, and Bradshaw had a great heel run afterwards as a WWE champion. Yeah, he totally reinvented himself with the JBL gimmick. Yeah, so. And it worked so well. Oh, yeah. 
uh, number four. This is where you're going to get the grief. All right. I've got Team Extreme, the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff at number four. Uh, my Here's my reasoning, because they're, they won a few titles in the, the Attitude Era. They didn't have as many as the other three that are ahead of them. And they didn't – I mean, they had matches with other teams, but they only had a f- notable feuds with the Edge and Christian, the Hardys, maybe TNA here and there. But, I mean, I'm not going to deny how over they were. I mean, they were hugely popular, but that doesn't – I mean, and this is going to get me probably crucified on <laughs> the Internet. They, that does not constitute a great team to me. Right. I actually – the team you have at number three is who I would put at number one. When I think Attitude Era, and that is immediately the team I think of more than anybody else on this list. And one, coming in the New three. Age Outlaws. One through three are, yep. uh, are interchangeable to me. Yeah, it's no spoilers, Marco. <laughs> he just said he was moving to number three, so no, I'm he moving just mentioned, there. He just mentioned the team at number three. He, didn't, he wasn't moving on. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, Marco got the cat out of the bag. Number three, I've got the Outlaws. Wow. Road Dogg and Billy is uh, our number three team. I thought they epitomized everything about the Attitude Era, the the suck it, the, all of that stuff. Oh, I mean, is that where that came that's from? Suck it was Boom. essentially okay. They were part of that. Yeah, and I was a big fan of the uh, the five way, the, the five piece DX from '98. I'm going to say the five way. Oh, like, with the X-Pac what is that? And tri- in, yes, in China. Yeah, I like that. And the, people think I'm weird. I like that better than I like the original DX. No, that, that was Warner. the best. I'll never forget the night after mania when they brought out, you know, you got to look to your friends, the click, all that. That was awesome. Yeah. I remember and the, then, and then the angle in the cage at the end of the show, when they all just beat the crap out of Foley and funk. Yep. And when that's what I was going to say, these guys, what they did with Foley and funk, the, the dumpster match at 14. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's the match. I, I actually look back, you know, everybody thinks Austin and Michael's, I think of that match before I even think of Kane and Undertaker, which would have been their first mm-hmm. kind of go at. But so I I remember when they first started teaming up, and I thought there's no way these guys are going to get over. It was like, come on, Rockabilly and Jesse James for a tag team, and I'll be damned if they didn't get number one get over, and number two just be damn good at what they did. It was, I mean, a lot of it was the mic work. Um, I mentioned earlier, I got to see them in one of their last singles matches together here in Champaign. As Rockabilly and Road Dog or whatever he was. I think the real double J. The real double J. The road yeah, the roadie. So, you know. Then they started coming out at the time playing to the crowd, wearing the South Park T shirts and it was just fun and it was like, Man, these guys both of these guys are kind of smarmy assholes is really what it came across as. They fit perfectly into that degeneration X mold. So these are the guys, in my opinion, that I would put at number one. Um, the New Age Outlaws. That's yeah. why I would put it number one. All right. But that—that's not saying anything's wrong with the list. I, how yeah. about how about you guys listening? Uh, when you hear the final top ten here, we're going to post the whole list in a minute on screen. You'll be able to see it also. But uh, we'd like to know if you agree or if you have some shifting to do of your own. Because Narge has thrown down the gauntlet and said, "I believe the New Age Outlaws are better than the top two that have been provided." So, the the last two I think are pretty much no brain like you can figure out who my number one and number two are it's just about what order i've got them in so my number two is uh devon and bubba ray i got the w boys number two former i think they won three or four wwf tag team titles after they came over from ecw where they were eight time champions and man they just made a 
huge impact from day one when they got there in 99. Yeah, I was worried they were going to get watered down when they came over like because, Taz. like Taz and everybody else. But something about them worked in WWE. Maybe the most successful ECW transfer next to Rob Van Dam. Maybe, but I, I, I put McFoley on that list. If yeah, Foley, but for me, Foley wasn't in ECW long enough. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. When I and that's one of the things I've never considered Foley an ECW original because he was the WCW. Original. He was a WCW guy. For me, the Dudleys. I mean, the most decorated ECW alum. Yeah. Correct. Uh, first ECW talent to be inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, Van Dam has joined them since then. And those are the two that those I think two. that. You know, I mean, Tommy didn't, it didn't really work out with Tommy. I do think Taz should go in at some point. Taz, one of my favorite moments was Taz coming out to challenge Angle. I thought, I mean, I popped because I was a Taz guy back then, you know. My my two favorite Taz moments in WWE both involved Angle. One was the Royal Rumble when he debuted, and the other was One Night Stand when he came out during the big brawl in the the end of the show. And he had the, the jersey on and the towel over his head again. It was just, I just, I giggled. It was awesome. It's just unfortunate WWE didn't capitalize on that moment at the Rumble as much as they could have. Yeah. And I've heard rumors it's because of his height, his attitude. I heard it was because he was stiff. Like, they didn't like his the suplexes dropping. And he was rough head. with Angle right in the match. So. Yeah. All right, so that brings us to our number one. Marco, do you have a drum roll or something? No, I do not, but That's I will have one I next time. I do. You might. Uh, rim shot, that won't work. Uh, here we go. You got a defective. I got a dud. So our number one one. tag team from the Attitude Era, seven-time WWF tag team champions. They totally reeked of awesomeness, and they are Canada's favorite sons, Edge and Christian, at number one. Three-second pose, right? Five. Five Five-second pose. I was was short short, them, too. Don't shortchange the audience, buddy. You got a five-second pose. They were awesome. They really were. Um, not one of my favorites, but... I, I know. You never were a big Christian or Edge guy. But, no. But here's the thing, though. On top of how good they were as a tag team back then, look at what they did afterwards as individuals. Like From 01 and beyond, they were very rarely seen without gold. And Oh, um, oh yeah, <laughs> easily. I mean, out, out of everybody on this list, I mean, it, you know, Jarrett and Owen separately did great things. Rock and Mick, obviously. Taker and Kane. Taker and Kane. But Edge and Christian were maybe the most cohesive team yeah. to put, split apart and yeah. go singles. I would put the Hardys on the list, too, though. Matt and Jeff had very successful singles runs. They did. Could have been much better. For Matt. For, yeah. Matt, you know, I don't know. It just, he, he didn't have the personality back then that he does now or that he found eventually with the, uh, the broken, gimmick. the broken gimmick. So I like Matt better than Jeff myself. I thought Matt was a better worker. I thought he was a better promo. I mean, Jeff was very colorful. Uh, he had the charisma that the fans just kind of ate up. He did the really flashy high spots. And that's, I was a Jeff guy because of the high spots. Yeah. It was like, ah, uh, what, what, what tall thing is he going to fall off of and almost, you know, break his leg this week. So, yeah, there's a reason why he, uh, Kind of hit the uh, narcotics a little bit. I think oh, was, yeah. Probably had a lot of pain to deal with. Well, what's crazy is he moves better than Matt, though. And Matt, yeah. you know, I, I think a lot of that has to do with Matt and the leg drop and some of the moves that he chose to, to do over the years. So, not a bad list at all. No, and I agree. I'd love to hear what everybody else thinks. Again, for yeah. me, when I think Attitude Era, I just, I just think the Outlaws, the Dudleys, Hardys, Edge, they're all right there because they were – 
synonymous yeah. with that stuff. I mean, you don't think tables, ladders, and chairs without thinking of those three right, guys. Right. So, and uh, if we were going to go ruthless aggression era, they'd be a very different list. Oh yeah. <coughs> and what, your, what 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 point in time is that era? Uh, started in 02, went to about probably oh seven. Okay. Yeah, and if if you don't know much about Ruthless Aggression Era, WWE Network just brought out season two, where they're kind of looking back on the history of that. I just finished the episode on Hollywood Rock, oh, so yeah. it was pretty good. It was kind of Rock's transition away from pro wrestling to Hollywood, right? Uh, they, so that was fun. I think they just put out an episode going into the women, uh, talking about Finley working with the girls and uh, how they evolved from just being bra and panties matches to actually being able to to go in the ring. Yeah, I believe so I'm it. I mean, to it was, see that. that was kind of the, yeah. Um, I'm getting off track here. You said bra and panties matches, and I, <laughs> I started thinking of Sunny and Sable, and yeah. distracted. And uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw an honorable mention on the top ten that didn't get on. Uh, uh, TNA Test and Albert. That was on the yeah. I was reading, and that's a team that you know they didn't have the title runs, so they didn't get on there. But that's the team that brought us Trish Stratus. Yes. We there were, were there were so many you could have put. I mean, the headbangers were around. Yeah, there was the a DOA. Um, they anyway. were there early on. Yeah, Bulldog but and Owen. I guess I could have put on there. Bulldog and Owen. They were kind of early on too. Somebody mentioned Shawn Michaels and Triple H. I mean, they they, they never team- really teamed up though, did they? In the Attitude Era. Well, didn't they have all the belts at one point? European, world, and the tag, right? Mm, just the world and the European. They, ah, they were okay. never tag champs. They, they didn't win the, the tag, tag titles till like oh nine. Ah, okay. But, uh, yeah, I never thought of DX as a tag team necessarily back in 97. I thought they were just more of a, a faction, you know. But, uh, but yeah, so that's our top ten. You can see it's on the screen here. Uh, yeah, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Tell me I'm wrong. I dare you. <laughs> and, uh, I do all the time. Um, he really does. Let me see here. So we had a couple things coming in from the listeners. Number one, uh, Minder said, did you see the No Mercy ladder match between Christian and Edge? I did. It was fantastic i would yep. almost put that match over the no mercy ladder match between edge and christian and the hardys from 99 but uh those two fellows know how to work with the ladder and Dwayne wants you to know well he says he would flip flop the new age outlaws and dudley boys but then he says wait hardy boys and new age so he's actually going to demote so, your guys so he'd have the, the outlaws at number four in arge instead of number and the hardy boys at three well, well no. I guess he's off the Christmas list, isn't yeah, he? Dwayne's out. <laughs> no whistle for Dwayne. <laughs> no so, whistle. <laughs> so the the Mick Foley name was brought up earlier, and something crossed my uh, TV watching this last week. I didn't know if either you'd seen it or anybody else listening, but it's called I Am Santa Claus. It's a documentary from 2014 where they follow five real bearded professional Santas, <laughs> old dudes with white beards, but apparently Mick Foley decided he was going to try on the red suit and got his head everything bleached and all that. have you seen it yeah foley's uh, an official santa i'm pretty yeah. sure like they've initiated that was what the whole him thing was the yeah man that's the dream for him because anybody that knows anything about mick foley he's a big time christmas nut if it's not christmas it's roller co- or theme parks so or, those right. are or when, and or winnie the pooh yeah <laughs> i just want to point out that believe it or not in the documentary some of the stars are mick foley russell spice jim stevenson bob girardi and santa claus so he they got is the real, real guy. Wow. They got the real guy. That's a the cool. real guy. Look out. All right. So, a couple of uh, changes yeah, for the next couple, episode. We got a couple programming notes here. We kind of went into what we got coming up as far as content. You know, we're doing just back to the regular format next episode. Then we got a couple more guests coming. Hopefully, we have some more guests we can announce in the next couple weeks or so. 
but we do have an announcement. We are making a change to our uh, our time. So starting our next episode on the two weeks from today. Two weeks from today, uh, we are going to actually be running starting at six o'clock Central Time instead of seven. We're going to just we're going to try and hammer this thing out an hour early and go hopefully from six to eight. Yeah, maybe sense. catch you guys a little bit closer to dinner time where yeah. you can sit and listen while you're eating your mac and cheese or whatever it is you're eating. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, we're going to try and uh, get you at the dinner hour. And uh, there's nothing better for dinner than talking wrestling. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we got that. We got, like I said, we got our uh, awards uh, categories we're going to be releasing. And we'll try to figure out a way to get you guys interactive with that. Stay tuned to the uh, Facebook wall. We'll put up a couple of polls asking mm-hmm. you uh, some yeah. questions. And I think if I can get the poll thing to work right, we'll be a, we'll give you a starter list yeah. of a couple things, and you can choose from them and then maybe add to it. But, you know, we do want to hear what you guys think. And, and I will announce on November or November on December 28th, we will have an in-studio guest. We've got our buddy Keith Gibson going to be joining us from the Full Count Podcast and Clubhouse Lounge Radio. And he's going to help us out with our, uh, our awards. And... Uh, Kind of good. He kind of talked to us about uh, Clubhouse Lounge Radio, which we are very proud to be a part of starting in January. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Keith is a longtime podcaster, friend of the show, uh, huge too. wrestling fan. Yeah, and has been a tremendous help from day one on this. Keith yeah. has always been available for us to answer any questions we may have had. Some of the technology we use is a mm-hmm. suggestion that Keith right. is thrown our way so we look yeah. forward to having him on and i think this will be the first of many times that we get keith on he's also extremely personable yes listening yeah, to him talk guy. is is very lack of a better word comforting he just has a good way of speaking when he does this he's like a big old teddy bear yeah. <laughs> and uh and one and one last thing before we go and we are uh like i said we're looking at getting some uh fairly big name guests coming up in the near future but for that to happen, we uh, we are going to be looking for some more sponsorship opportunities for anybody that wants to kind of help us out, helps pay the bills a little bit. If you're interested, hit us up on our email, which is jumpingtherailpod at uh, gmail.com. Or, you know, just hit us up on the Twitter machine or on Facebook. And uh, hopefully we can uh, get a little business done. With Christmas coming, we also want to point out that uh, at least two-thirds of us we like the Rocks tequila, and he just announced an Añejo that's out for Christmas time. So just in case you're bored and need to spend money you don't have. Yeah, any friends go. of the show want to gift us? Uh, you know, right. we could sample it right here on the air and there give a go. tequila review and kind of shake things up. Yeah, we'll tweet it to The Rock and maybe make friends with him. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure he doesn't have shit going on. He'd come on the show, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, uh, right. let me, let me, when we get done here, I'll make a quick call. I'll I've, talk to his person. You know what? I've honestly thought about tweeting The Rock just, you know, because what the hell? Why not? Well, I think to get a hold of him, you have to you have to call Kevin Hart. I think that's his oh, yes. assistant. Yes, yes. Kevin Hart is his. Uh... You need a little heart to get to the Big Johnson, right? <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I think on that and note, on we're that... gonna we're gonna get out of here. We hope you guys had a fantastic Thanksgiving this past week, and until two weeks at six o'clock, I am Mark. We got uh, Narge. We got Marco, and uh, we'll see you guys later.